So, by the way, MDA is going to be a weird episode. Did you guys think about that? Uh, Yeah. Because it's going to be almost the same, but we're going to have to make it incredibly different. But why is that, Micah? Well, MDA is not MDMA. And what are we talking about? Today we are talking about MDMA. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, dude, yo, yo, someone yo. hire us for a radio spot, dude. That was fire, dude. <laughs> Put us on the radio, man. I, I know. That was completely out of pocket, dude. That was not rehearsed 35 times before the podcast. Dude, Crosby, Stills, and Nash got nothing on our fucking harmonies, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about MDMA today. It's the acronym that nobody knows what it means. It, <laughs> oh, but first, before that, uh, hey, I'm Raven. I'm the, the, the one person. <laughs> the one person. <laughs> oh, you Wait. always introduce yourself. Just yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, dude. My name my name's Ryan. What's up, dude? Uh, you know we out here fucking boofing. You like long walks on the beach, boofing. <laughs> I like holding hands <laughs> on the beach while my other hand is in my butthole. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, I thought it was supposed to be in my butthole. What's up, everyone? This is Micah. I like getting fingers in my butt. <laughs> Only Ryan's fingers, though. Sorry, Rave. Aww. Uh, I'll let you sniff him afterwards, though. It's okay, dude. Oh, hell yeah. Sasquatch for days. <laughs> I've been thinking about that all week, honestly. <laughs> I bet you have. You probably have it bookmarked. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, should we tell people fucking... what to look up since we've referenced it two times now? Yeah, do you we'll, guys we'll put it in the story site? of our fucking. No, nah, we'll get deleted. Never mind. Uh, yeah, you, t- you tell. <laughs> Just you start tell. looking up Bigfoot proof on the internet and you'll find it eventually. Yeah, I think it was bigfootproof.com or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's got the most recent evidence. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. You heard it here first. It's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, aside from that, we're talking about MDMA today. Um, the drug that nobody knows what it is, but everybody's done. Everybody thinks about, about it in a different way. Everyone hears it in a different way. or Everybody has heard a different term for it. People call it molly, thizzle, ecstasy, e-pills, beans, rolls, disco biscuits. You name it. People are calling it that. Fucking, There's a million other names for it out there. But uh, yeah, everybody seems to think that every single one of these drugs is different. Somehow, <laughs> like, I've definitely met a lot of people who are like, oh, I've done Molly, but I've never done ecstasy. And it's like, um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, so, me, so you've done ecstasy. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, so here's the, here's the nuance between ecstasy, Molly, MDMA, or whatever. Oh, really, right, yeah. Is that ecstasy refers to pressed pills, like tablets that were made, um, you know, by somebody who added MDMA <laughs> and then whatever else they wanted to add to it. So like essentially an ecstasy pill, a lot of people will say ecstasy is always going to be a combination of multiple drugs and that Molly is pure MDMA crystals. But it's kind of true. It's kind of not true because the thing is, is that you're more anyone, likely to- anyone can make ecstasy. Like yeah. you buy a pill press and you make a little design and bam, now you have an ecstasy pill. But that means that you could technically press anything. Like, 
It doesn't matter what drug it is. And so ecstasy, yeah, it's it refers to the pill format. Like right. A pressed tablet. And then Molly just kind of refers to like the crystals. And so a lot of people will think that Molly is purer. <laughs> um, Which it, it could be. In a sense, I would say it's safer to buy Molly than an ecstasy pill, depending on where you're getting your ecstasy pills from. Um, just typically because it has a general color look to it that's very distinct smell even. Eh. I don't know. Because the thing is, there are so many other drugs that look exactly like yeah, MDMA. it's true. And it's pure form. And the thing is, is that's what happened like in like around 2010 to 2016 or so. There was a ton of uh, drugs being sold as like MD, like ecstasy replacements in a sense. And they fell under that federal analog act that we talked about yeah, previously. All, yeah, I, I took some of those back in the day. I think a lot of people have. I mean, that's actually like a lot of those drugs fall under that bath salts thing. Right. Yeah. Um, that's where that's where I uh, originally heard bath salts is because kids were literally ordering bath salts or or plant food off the internet, and it was like synthetic Molly. Well, or synthetic no, Molly's not. Ba- synthetic, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like a knockoff. Yeah. And essentially, like there a, a lot of drugs were trying to like people were creating a lot of drugs that they thought would act in the brain similarly to MDMA and almost be potentially even better. But because they're brand new chemicals, novel compounds, they could be under this like gray area in most countries. So like, like a lot of these drugs were sold for a very good portion of time and they ended up oversaturating the party drug market to the point that even more than just MDMA, uh, things like, you know, uh, amphetamine or cocaine or even like all, all kinds of party drugs ended up having a lot of uh, what most people will be familiar with is research chemical drugs. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of what really birthed the test kit, um, you know, yeah. for MDMA. But it yeah. makes sense. But yeah, that's exactly what I had as my number one myth I wanted to talk about was just the nuance between the names with like Molly and Ecstasy. Everyone thinks is different. Um, but yeah, it just truly comes down to the street name of what form you're buying it as. Like, like Micah said, if it's in a pill or just as raw crystals, then people are going to call it a different thing, which makes a lot of people think that it's a completely different drug. Um, and then another huge myth is that something that you actually probably learned as a little kid, I know I did when D.A.R.E. came to my school, is that they taught you that MDMA puts holes in your brain. They <laughs> came in with quote-unquote research proving that MDMA overused can put holes in your brain. And this has been thoroughly debunked. The research, quote unquote, that they were showing, indicating these holes, apparently, um, were just serotonin depletions. And what they were saying was causing that was a normal amount of ecstasy. But what they were doing was giving, uh, however they did their test, Micah, you probably know a little bit more about that. But they were giving over eight times the regular amount that anyone would even be physically capable of doing. So, to say, so yeah, you're doing like a, almost a lethal amount of drugs. It's going to have some adverse effects on your brain. Uh, and definitely not putting holes in it. Dude. Well, yeah, and especially <laughs> amphetamine. Right. And it's just causing serotonin depletions, which is definitely true because it just wreaks havoc on your serotonin the same way an amphetamine would. More, yeah, more than just serotonin too. Mostly all those feel-good uh, neurotransmitters like dopamine and norepinephrine and and all that but yeah i mean it's it's a i mean that's the thing is it's a type of it's the type of drug where the dose curve like the dose response curve is huge yeah like, uh, a small amount you know is only going to exert a certain amount of effect on someone's brain whereas like this very large amount is just going to be a completely different 
effect. So right, and that's actually very similar with most amphetamines. Um, they do become pretty toxic at high doses. Yeah, and another thing I want to kind of just dispel. This one's kind of for the older audience because usually I hear people like thirty-five and up saying this is that they have done ecstasy, but it was back in the day, but it was cut with heroin. And this has no proof whatsoever. Uh, I look at pill reports all the time just for fun. Uh, You could find a bunch of different labs that will post essentially drugs they got off the street and test them for different cuts. Um, Like drugsdata.org. They've tested tens of thousands of pills, and I think they've only found like a few examples of ecstasy mixed with opiates. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the time, like the very few that they found, they said was probably accidental that it even got in there. Well, however, fentanyl is finding its way into MDMA now. Yes, but that, as we talked about in the fentanyl episode, is probably accidental. Yes. Yeah. It's not purposefully being cut in. And when we're talking about heroin specifically in MDMA, it is never used as a cut. It simply isn't. And I've heard it so many times from older people being like, oh, yeah, I've done, MD- or I've done ecstasy pills back in the day, but I, it was cut with heroin. I know that because I like, was t- like sleepy and couldn't get off the, off the ground. But it's like we'll talk about more of the effects of ecstasy and why that's just one of the, the effects. <laughs> and not <laughs> yeah dude when uh, i was in when i was in like high school and shit they were like everyone was like oh dude if you can get like actual like mdma like that's so much more pure than taking ecstasy because like in ecstasy you get all those other drugs like heroin and meth and shit and it's like dude well so not to be true. honest it is cut like a lot of ecstasy is cut but most of the time it's going to be cut with things like caffeine or meth yeah well your molly MDA. can be cut the or same MDA, yeah. the same as well dude yeah, exactly. Yeah, just MDMA in general, however you're purchasing it, oftentimes is going to be cut with something unless you're getting it completely pure. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's going to be cut with more of a stimulant. It's never going to be cut with uh, purposefully with a downer. Unless I've seen a lot of pills cut with things like 2CB. And uh, oh, yeah, but mostly mostly just caffeine. Yeah, well, so, I've spent a lot of gotcha. time on pillreport.com. Weirdly enough, like a lot of people will think that like, well, like I really just want to make sure that I'm trying a drug in its purest form ever. But when it comes to something like MDMA, I think a lot of the ecstasy pills that are being sold at like events and stuff like that, they are formulated literally in a way by people who know what they're doing and have been doing this drug for a very long time. They're formulated at a specific dose with other drugs at a specific dose to literally create the type of uh, experience that you would want when you're out clubbing or dancing or partying and, and stuff like that. And I yeah. pure MDMA, like I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of people at shows where I can almost tell that they're just they just took pure MDMA because they will like sit down and kind of look almost like sad and bored and like kind of But they're having a great time. They're having a great time. You come over and ask them, Hey man, you doing all right? And they're like big oh, old I'm good. frown on their face too. Yeah. Which is the funniest part. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, that base face. Yeah. Or as the people would say, the thizzle face. Oh, yep. Forgot and about that. This is one that we've all heard is that you'll never have good sex ever again if you have sex on MDMA. Oh, I was told by people, I think this was like a propaganda thing, because I was told by people that men would not be able to ever ejaculate again. You heard that? Oh my I, God. Only, I only if heard. If you ejaculated, like if you made it to orgasm on MDMA, you wouldn't be able to ever do it again. Yeah, I, I heard something <laughs> very similar to that. Just that if you ever have sex on MDMA, you'll never have good sex ever again. <laughs> wow. 
that's as a, scary uh, as fuck. <laughs> so I, as a test pig of that, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say that's false. <laughs> <laughs> Try I think what a lot of people probably are, you know, I think a lot of people, what people maybe came up with this myth for, other than just trying to scare you away from doing it, are the people who have done it. I think because uh, MDMA is, you know, it's an amphetamine and it affects the heart. In a similar way to stimulant drugs, uh, it will make it to where there's less blood flow getting to other parts of the body. And so like the penis, for example, I think it's really hard for some people to get erect while on it. Um, yeah. And so they might just think like, oh, well, it ruined my like libido or it gave me ED or something. You know what I mean? Right. I haven't heard it since being in like high school, but no, that yeah. is definitely like a myth that's around. And a lot of the times these myths are being spewed by people who have never actually tried the substance. Right. So. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. probably something that like an older person told them, like an older sibling or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something uh, they read online, especially now right. with online being everywhere. It's so hard to research drugs online because you Dude. type in anything about drugs and it just brings you to rehab. Well, <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. Dude, if I could show you some yeah. of the, the websites that I've been researching on, they're freaking hilarious. I found some weird, weird conspiracy websites researching <laughs> for MTMA and like MK Ultra. Hell yeah, awesome. dude. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked. Uh, real quick, did we say what MDMA stands for? I can't remember. Uh, uh, no, I'll have I Micah so. try to pronounce that, but it's like a 20 letter word. So I yeah. will go ahead and tell what MDMA is first, if we want to, or, or Micah, you want to give it a shot? Yeah. Well, so the, the compound like common name is methylene dioxy methamphetamine. And I'm glad that we brought this up just because that's another myth that I always, or like, it's, it's mostly a misconception and that people will try to argue about and they'll try to say that uh mdma has methamphetamine in it because yeah. the name methamphetamine is in the name methylene dioxy methamphetamine right so they'll literally say like it has methamphetamine in it but these are people who don't really understand basic chemistry that like once a compound is changed it is most now people i mean yeah most people and that the hard thing about that is is like it's the same kind of thing with people that are they'll try to say like oh if you can't read the label your ingredients label, if yeah. you can't understand what the word says, then it's oh, probably not good for you. We were just rattling off some of those. <laughs> the other- <laughs> mine, what the hell is that? Yeah, exactly. In my apple juice? <laughs> no, so like if you think about it, if the first time Niacin? that you saw... What am I, trying to pass a drug test? Get that shit out of here. <laughs> so like if you were to see like methylene dioxy methamphetamine the first time you ever tried to buy MDMA to go party with your friends and you knew about what meth does to people you might be a little turned off by thinking like, oh, this has methamphetamine in it or methamphetamine was used to create it, right? right. Like there's people that might think that it's a part of the synthetic process, but it's not. Um, it, it really, it's, even even methamphetamine is just a name. It's a common name for a chemical that has a much larger uh, like chemical name in a sense. The, the nomenclature changes big time. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And with that being said, MDMA is what we will be calling it from here on out. <laughs> uh, the, the name is long and I can't pronounce it. Uh, but basically, MDMA is a psychoactive drug. It's derived from saffron. Um, and yeah, per- saffron? Saffron. No, what? not saffron. That shit's expensive. Dude, um, saffron's s- that fucking fuego, dude. Saffron is an oil <laughs> that comes from sassafras, if I'm not mistaken. 
You are Bam. Nice. Cool. Um, mo- most people will ingest about one to two and a half points. Uh, points in quotations. A point, if you don't know what that is, it's a tenth of a gram. So you'll be ingesting around… 100 milligrams. 100 to 250 milligrams in a night. And that will last around two and a half to three hours. And the high that is derived, most people call rolling. And if you've ever done it before, you understand why. But for anybody who hasn't, it's a feeling that goes over your body that is like… It, it's hard to explain, but it's uh, it's just a, almost like a wave of euphoria. I was literally goes, about to say that, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's word for word. <laughs> it's essentially just euphoria that just uh, waves over your body. And it just feels like it tingles every single nerve on your entire body. And uh, a lot of people actually have different physical reactions, though. I know me, if I take it, I end up in a blanket on the ground, rolling around, <laughs> like rubbing my leg hair and shit and just like look like I'm having sex with myself. Hell and yeah. But a lot of people, when you take it, they'll sit there completely still just listening to the music. And then a lot of people get up and dance. And like, dude, I'm move grooving, around. dude. Every yeah, time I've taken of, Molly, I groove hard. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different physical reactions to it. But I think the overall like rolling feeling of the euphoria kind of going over your body is is shared between most people i'd say yeah definitely yeah they some people will refer to it as what they would call an empathogen type of drug like class of drug in a sense yeah rather than like a stimulant or a psychedelic or whatever and that comes down to a lot of like i think one of the biggest parts of that experience is that people after ingesting it have a sense of clarity where their thoughts just seem to flow better. Yeah. And they have this clarity on top of a huge profound um, empathetic uh, ability in a sense and, and like feeling. And potentially it unlocks empathy in people who haven't ever really had it. Um, and that comes with the experience, I feel like, where people are just… They feel so good, right? Yeah. And a lot of it is that people will just… I think a lot of people will mention like it, it reminded them of what it's like to be happy again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely for a lot of depressed people. And uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say it just feels like also having a two-hour-long orgasm. So actually, yeah, (laughs) and I wanted to say, you said the high is about two and a half to three hours? Yeah. That's sort of true, but at the same time, like… Well, that's the, like, peak of the high. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because, like, the the duration of the drug, I think, much longer. about six to eight hours. Yeah, but when you're… You only are like rolling, rolling like the what you're going for on MDMA, I would say for about three hours. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a lot of why um, in the party community and whatnot, like people dancing and stuff. It depends on if they, you snort it. Sure, yeah. Um, a lot of people uh, take redoses. Right. right. Um, and there's like this thing in the community where you, if you're, if you're going to redose it, you have to take it at a certain time uh, after like after the first dose or else too much of your serotonin in the sense gets used up. So by taking a redose, it almost wouldn't work or would just extend the duration of the like, you know, uh, the the plateau of it rather right. than the peak. And so people will redose. And I think when they do it, they usually take exactly half of the amount that they took for their first dose. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's probably why people redose then in a way is just because like that peak is short. 
those desirable effects are that's super interesting because I feel like when usually when when redosing you almost have to take but usually with redosing like other drugs like psilocybin or like you know other psychedelics you usually have to take more than you would the first time as a redose right, right? well that so. that a lot of that comes down to the fact that psychedelics like LSD and psilocybin and stuff are almost opposite in the way that they affect serotonin um, right because they, they build tolerance immediately right like after the first ingestion of a you know a dose of a psychedelic like LSD or psilocybin or whatever um, the tolerance just builds up so quickly that yeah it, it's almost like it's just there's no point and that the thing is is it's kind of the same with MDMA but there's a time frame where if you in a sense I think a lot of people what they do with redoses is you take your dose and then 30 to 45 minutes later around the time that it would take for it to actually get metabolized and into the bloodstream then you take your next one right. so that and the reason for this is because uh MDMA can be very unpredictable with maybe what you ate that day or the purity of it so when you take typically people take it as a point right 100 milligrams so they'll take that and if they notice that they're having uh like a reaction right away they they kind of base off how they feel within that 45 minutes and then that's why they'll take more or less Right. Yeah, right. and that's the hard thing is like, oh, sorry, Ryan, what's up? No, I was just going to say, doesn't, because uh, doesn't like Molly, or I guess, sorry, MDMA, doesn't it get into your system like within 15 minutes, essentially? Fairly quick. I mean, no, again, that comes down to your, everyone is different, right? And when you're taking something like this orally, as we talked about the last right. episode, that first pass effect, metabolism, is going to be different in everyone. So like, Say someone who has a high metabolism with their food, like uh, maybe a, a slimmer individual, right, um, who runs a lot or wh- whatever, right? They metabolize things quicker. If they take MDMA, the same exact dose as someone else, uh, it's possible that it's going to come on way quicker for them. But someone else could take it who weighs a little bit more or maybe weighs the same, but their metabolism is literally just different. It takes a little bit more time. Mm, it could take okay. half an hour to an hour. Yeah. So that's why it's really hard because it's one of those drugs where it is weight dependent a lot of the times. Um, it's similar to alcohol in that sense that because it's something that you are ingesting orally and it has to get uh, through this first pass effect of metabolism, then yeah, it, it, like, it comes down to weight a lot of the time. I mean, brain chemistry and body chemistry and all those things do come into play, but I, I'd say weight is one of the biggest ones. And there are weight, like there's dosage calculators that you can find on Google. If you search like an MDMA calculator, you can enter in your weight in either pounds or kilograms, and then it'll show you suggested doses for the desirable effects that you may want, um, maybe hmm. for your first time, or even if you've done it a few times and now you just want to find the right dose for your body weight. So I feel I like recommend I've that. seen those actually at some point when I was like younger. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's cool as fuck. Uh, I guess what I was asking though more I was like because I, I read somewhere that they people say that it metabol or not metabol. I guess kind of metabolizes faster, like than other drugs i was i'm just curious of that if that's true like like i guess comparatively to psychedelics they say it kicks on kicks in like quicker uh, is what i've read but i don't know if is that actually true or is it like i guess does it is it It, drug dependent or does it it just for any drug it really comes down to yeah it's it's i mean because that's the thing anything that you ingest orally right no matter what it is it's gonna have to be metabolized so coming up with like an average time is possible but it's not like it's going to be that accurate. Okay. And sure. I'll I'll admit that like what Raven was mentioning at the beginning of this topic part is that if I have 
not eaten a thing all day long and I go and I take MDMA, also it comes down to your route of administration orally also. Like if you take a pressed pill, they are actually a lot of the times coded. Like if it's a European pill typically because they're just better. Um, they'll be coated in stuff that actually is supposed to break down slower in the stomach. Extendo. Um, what's up? Extendo release. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so then um, the a lot of the times with MDMA crystals that people buy in a capsule, that's going to be quicker than an ecstasy pill. Or even parachuting where they literally just take MDMA crystals and put it in like a napkin and just toss it down. Yep. Or, or then water. MDMA water. Yeah. Yep. So it's like… Molly people, water. People, <laughs> when they dissolve it into water, it's going to be a lot similar to how like quickly alcohol affects you compared to food. Like, uh, I guess there's not many foods that get you high. Yeah. Right? Other than mushrooms. And <laughs> I guess we, we should probably just state that that is… These are all ways that people ingest MDMA is um, through water. They'll dissolve it in water. A little bit of like warm water. It tastes like ass. Um, through Dude, press facts. pills, through crystals, uh, either insufflated or eaten. Yeah, and I will oh, mention yeah. because of that, like we did talk about the whole insufflation or, or snorting, right, of MDMA. A lot of people want to do that because they think, oh, it's going to hit me quicker. And yes, it, it probably will. It's However, terrible. it's a waste because I think it's about 70% uh, bioavailable yeah. through the nose. And almost 100% orally. That's actually one Damn. of the weird things about MDMA. So again, actually, that could answer your and question almost, Ryan. Just eat it is, and wait 10 minutes. Exactly. Like <laughs> I, think, I think that almost answers Ryan's question is the, I, you know, the idea that MDMA may be quicker than some other drugs that are ingested norm, uh, orally. Yeah. And that's just because of that thing that I mentioned. And I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the fact that... Uh, People, like, I'm pretty sure most drugs, when they're orally ingested, the bioavailability, bio excuse me, is less. And it's because it has to go through all this stuff, right? If you inject the drug, it's 100% bioavailable. That's typically how it works. And then, you know, it, it's going to typically go down with the different rates or routes of administration. And so something like snorting is much closer to the bloodstream than, you know, orally ingesting something. So I think people might think that it's better to, you know, ingest their MD maybe that way. But that's just one of those interesting things about the drug. Um, yeah. And honestly, yeah. though, if you're thinking about doing any of these things, then think again, Buster. This is a U.S. Schedule One drug with high potential <laughs> for abuse. Has no current accepted medical use, even though it is currently being used in research for… Uh, this has happened like three PTSD. times already. <laughs> what? The well, fucking... it's going to happen with most drugs. Well, yeah, where it's a oh, schedule it's one drug, no but it's no accepted fucking... medical research, and it's being used in research. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So unless you're in Oregon, um, it is still very illegal to possess. Well, yeah. So MDMA. I mean, it's still federal. I'm going to call the cops on you if you tell me that. <laughs> it's still illegal <laughs> everywhere, right? But however, yeah. um, like the research side of things is weird because the way that research works in a university setting with these types of drugs is. A principal investigator, the person that runs the study, they have to apply for controlled substances to be in their lab, essentially. The idea is someone, a DEA person, will come and weigh out this chemical that's been locked in a cabinet 
randomly. So they'll yeah. just show up to your lab and they will weigh it out and they will look at things like, like one of the things that we have in our lab is tamper evident, evident uh, tape. So anytime we open a controlled uh, chemical, meaning it's, it's a chemical that may be a precursor to a controlled substance. Yeah. We have a few of them. Actually, one of the ones that we do have is funny because it's used for the production of MDMA. What is it? Uh, fuck. Can't remember the name. Oh, okay. It starts with an H. Okay. I'll remember it. Heroin. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I heard that's one oh, of the main cuts in MDMA. Heliotrope. Oh yeah. Oh, I know all um, about that, dude. I'm fucking yep. heliotropite. Yeah, me too. Oh, I love that shit. But dude. so, like, what we we have to every time we open up the cap, this tape, we have to go and ask someone in quality control to end up putting a new piece of tape on that, so that. Anyone can ever know, like, oh, this is this has been tampered with, right? So the, th- the same thing is with the university setting, and that's part of why cannabis has been so hard to get researched for so long, is because it's been a controlled substance, a Schedule One, forever, right? Ever since like what, the 30s or something, um, and so yeah, it's been really hard for us to get good uh, cannabis studies. A lot of the times they use like synthetic THC, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a different episode. The thing with the MDMA thing is. There are actually very big, uh, you know, like good uh, universities that are uh, doing MDMA research. And they've been doing this for a long time. Like, it's not like it's just not been going on. Well, it's just that therapy is now getting to a point where there are a lot more trials that are involved with MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. Instead of just MDMA being a research drug, um, you know, like, like you could just add MDMA to cell culture dishes with neurons growing and say, oh, look, it's bad for the neurons. Or, oh, look, it, it releases serotonin. Now they're actually giving it to humans uh, in like placebo-controlled studies and stuff. And this is happening across the United States as well in, as in like other countries, like Israel does MDMA studies. And so. it's happened before in the past. Yes. Uh, and oh, uh, yeah. to me, it is um, surprising how long MDMA has been around with how little it's been studied. Uh, for instance, MDMA was very first synthesized in Germany by Anton Kolisch and patented by Merck Pharmaceutical Company on Christmas Eve, 1912. <clears throat> Yo, it, shout it out was... Merck, dude. Yeah, Killing it with the cocaine and the MDMA, dude? Oh, yeah, they were the cocaine Dude, people. that's Keith Richards' choice of cocaine, dude. Fucking Damn. shout out you Merck. You gotta remember... Dude. <laughs> you got to remember there were not that many conglomerate pharmaceutical companies back in the day. <laughs> dude. Especially in small countries like Germany, Switzerland. <laughs> Whoa, right. dude. So, Are you calling those so countries they, small, dude? Yeah. Dude, those actually. countries have heart, dude. Fight me. Oh my God. Fucking heart. So it was discovered in 1912, but put away for over 40 years with just very minimal research done to it. And in 1952... Scientists at the University of Ann Arbor in Michigan began studying the effects of MDMA alongside with uh, marijuana, LSD, mescaline, and psilocybin to research its possible mind-altering effects. And this is entirely possible that all of these studies were conducted as part of MK Ultra and funded by the CIA uh, because a lot of colleges and um, like college labs in 1952 were being funded by the CIA and it would... I couldn't find any real proof of this on the internet, except for on some really weird websites. So who knows? But very likely that this was part of the MK Ultra project with the fact that they were studying it for mind-altering effects. 
is pretty uh, I'm actually so, suspicious to me. <laughs> this is weird for me because this is the first time I've ever heard about Ann Arbor um knowing like like having pulled it out before Shulgin because I thought Shulgin refound it. Like he found it from the German labs, saw that they never did anything with it, and went, hmm, this looks like it could have some pretty interesting effects. So he created it. Right. So that's slightly true. <clears throat> um they knew about it because it was discovered in 1912. And for 40 years, it was known about and only used in certain small research studies. Uh, I found one thing that they were studying at at one point um, to see it, if it would help with a different kind of like a veteran. And uh, that fell on its face for obvious reasons. But yeah, for the longest time, it was not really researched at all, except for this study in nineteen in the nineteen fifties. And then, other than that, in nineteen sixty five is when Alexander Shulgin became interested in MDMA. That's Doctor Alexander Shulgin, excuse me. Uh, Alexander Shulgin, right? Yeah, I think it's Shulgin. These nuts. <laughs> it's Dr. Alexander Shulgin. Shulgin these nuts. Dude, fucking got him, dude. <laughs> dude, just get obliterated, dude. He fucking, fucking left the room. Oh dude. my get dude. Wrecked. You got Micah so bad he left the room, dude. What a fucking <laughs> just a fuck. So Shulgin wasn't <laughs> Shulgin these nuts. Shulgin these nuts. Shulgin was an employee at the Dow Chemical Company where he would first synthesize MDMA in 1965, but wouldn't end up trying it himself all the way until 1976. So he was sitting on it for 11 years before he ended up trying it. Uh, and in 1978, he and David Nichols published a paper where he compared MDMA's effects to being similar to marijuana, psilocybin, or psilocybin without the hallucinations. Which that is not accurate. <laughs> but that's the weird thing. He was doing the pure shit. I mean, yeah, but when there's not many other psychotropic drugs to relate it to, I mean, I, yeah, I get, and you're the first person, pretty much ever ingesting it. Yeah, and they both affect serotonin. So. And um, from my research, he was doing very small amounts. Mm, he wasn't okay. like going well at first. So these first like two years, he wasn't going ham. I don't think. Uh, that's what's up. But yeah, I was, it's just surprising he compared it to marijuana or psilocybin. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, I mean, I I get it, I could, the serotonin thing, but that's a strange. I guess I guess in that point of time, there wasn't really a lot of like other chemicals around and stuff that were like similar to this. So I I, I could see that actually. You know, there's nothing else right. really to compare it to besides those things. <laughs> right? Time. Yeah, especially not at that time. Uh, yeah. He would use it all. He would use it pretty often though, and he recognized pretty quick that it could be used as a powerful tool in things like therapy. And he introduced a psychotherapist named Leo Zeff to it. Um, and because Shulgin's wife was a psychotherapist. And so Shulgin and his wife would introduce their friends, tons of their friends to MDMA. They would relax on the drug and they would talk about its benefits with being able to talk and be clear headed and have pure emotions, essentially. And then Leo Zeff, when he tried it, he was already well-equipped with using 
mind-altering substances with his work. He was um, he often used things like LSD and mushrooms in his psychotherapy. So yeah. when Shulgin introduced uh, Zeph into MDMA, he freaking took off with it. Uh, <laughs> he started traveling the world and te- he taught an estimated 4,000 other psychotherapists how to use MDMA in therapy. So yeah, dude. between between Shulgin and Leo Zeff, they are the reasons why we have MDMA as a street drug. And dude, MDMA shout out them. would be used to help many conditions like depression and addiction and things like that. Um, uh, typical depression and it, it just, you know, makes you feel better. And this would last a little over 10 years that it would be used in therapy as it would be made illegal in 1985 but before that it was very first found as a street drug during a street drug analysis in the 1970s and that was right around the time where alexander shulgin's interest first started in mdma and a lot of people link it to his very first sending he he found the essentially the recipe of how to make mdma and he sent it to california to get the chemicals to make the mdma and people, st- I think in Chicago, they immediately found it as a street drug in Chicago. <laughs> which Dude, is really hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck and yeah, that's since sick. then, and then that was pretty much the boom that started the, the MDMA party drug scene. And once it got made illegal, it hasn't been used in therapy. So now it's pretty much, we know it is a street party drug, essentially. Dude. Yeah. Fucking which has then shaped culture around partying for the last fucking 30, 40 years, essentially. Uh, It's fucking pretty sick. I mean, since it... Yeah, that's like 40 years now. Yeah, almost. It's it's impressive. Uh, I I do want to back up to one cup, one cup, two little things. We're talking about therapy. One of the uh, other nicknames that they uh, called it during therapy... To make patients feel more like innocent when they were taking it, they called it Adam, which I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah because uh, it made you feel a pu- as a pure human as if Adam and Eve would feel. What the, it's a. Anagram. I didn't read that, but that's interesting. Oh, okay. Well, then there's a myth. I, <laughs> there's a myth I read on the. I internet. just read that it made them feel go. more innocent and like just instead of just calling it a, like a. Oh, this is chemical, whatever, blah blah blah. Like they had a code name for it, an MK Ultra EA dash one four seven five. I don't know if they were actually calling it that during therapy before, or if they were calling it MDMA or what they were calling it. But uh, no, they just, they'd be uh, calling it something different. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, but during they called they wound up with the name Adam, which I was like, oh, that's fucking pretty interesting. Uh, and what's also interesting is they were selling. There was a company in Texas that was selling fucking ecstasy. Uh, like press pill form, like they were calling, this was like where the name ecstasy came from is because these people were fucking selling it called ecstasy openly in bars in like Dallas and Austin and shit. And I was like, yo, Damn. well, cause it that's was fucking yeah, sick. I think it was actually sold a lot of the times as a uh, aphrodisiac. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. That makes like, totally it was, it was literally sold. Like there was times where it was being given to people because, like, I think one of the, the therapy things is, like, it was really common in marriage counseling yeah. for a while. And so, um, a lot of marriage counseling, you know, it, it comes up because of ED. So, I know all about that. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, that's funny <laughs> because MDMA gives you ED. <laughs> so it's like, here's this thing that's going to make you love your partner more, but good luck getting it up if you already have ED. <laughs> <laughs> again, though, again, though, that True. comes down to doses, right? And yeah. you're not going to give yeah. someone in yeah. therapy some really strong dose. Take a two point five or a point two five hitter. Dude, <laughs> just go roll and eat the whole Tesla, Porsche yeah. Tesla. Just you know. walking in the building looking like Mac Dre, just biggest frown on your face. Shout out Mac Dre, dude. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about the party scene in the fucking eighties, dude. Well, first of all, there's like there's different party scenes because there's like the the Bay Area thing with like Mac Dre and all those guys, like fucking just doing ecstasy and press pills and stuff like that. Uh, and then there was also like the like the rave scene and like the electronic scene, which I want to current I want to talk more about like the electronic scene uh, because it's in my opinion more popular in pop culture, especially nowadays. Like it's it's lasted a lot longer than like the hyphen movement of like Mac Dre and all that and stuff. So not not, not to take away from Mac Dre, it's cool and all that the hyphen movement's great. Whatever. Shout out Mac Dre. Shout out to Barry. Uh, but electronic music, man. So we're gonna dive into this, dude. Craftwork, my boy's Craftwork, dude. This is German, uh, this is German like DJ band, I guess. Uh, fucking Ralph Houter and Florian Schneider, dude. They started Craftwork in 1969, which was like the beginning, essentially, of like electronic music, of like popular electronic music, and we really made it popular. Uh, so. They released their, they formed 1969, didn't release an album until 1974, which is called the Autobahn, or actually just called Autobahn. Uh, dude, fucking, I love Kraftwerk, dude. It's so sick. Then they came out with Tour de France, which is the sickest album ever of fucking electronic music, dude. It's so sick. Wait, is it Tour de France? Like, just like the. The biking thing? Yeah, so it, so the song, the whole album that they, they released the whole album in 2003, uh, but the original song Tour de France came out in 83. Uh, so, but they literally made this album based, like they made a soundtrack for the Tour de France, <laughs> which is so sick. Uh, and dude, so yeah, the song, check out the song Tour de France. It'll be on the playlist. First song on the playlist, dude. Uh, it's so sick, dude. Just there's just like this robotic voice. It's just like two, the fronts. and I'm just like, yo, shout out Kraftwerk, yeah. dude. So, anyways, <laughs> Kraftwerk, pretty much the beginning of electronic music and what actually inspired what ended up becoming rave culture. So then, after Kraftwerk, uh, techno music kind of came to be uh, in Detroit in the early '80s. Probably after Two to Fronts came out because that song's a banger. Just inspiring millions. So uh, there was Detroit Techno and then Chicago House came in the mid-80s, which basically started at like Southside Chicago House Parties. And just uh, ma- basically it's called house music because they can make it from their house and shit. Uh, not have to be in a studio. Is that really where the is that really where that came from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I I always wondered that. Yeah. Uh, super. I had no idea until I, until I read about that, but, uh, yeah, dude, shout out fucking Chicago house, dude. Uh, that was also the, really the first main usage of the Roland TR 808, dude. Shout out 808s. Everyone knows about the 808s, dude, these days. 808s and heartbreaks. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so fucking fast forward 1987, 
Some people referred to it as the second summer of love because of like psychedelic drugs and acid house, which is a form of house music. But it, it's basically just like everyone at that point, like when X, when MDMA was starting to become really popular in like the mid to late eighties, because uh, it, it was it was starting to catch on like in the seventies and early eighties, and just eventually it was like kind of just getting more and more popular in music culture and stuff. But then when Acid House came out, those two just blended together so well because it was just like just made to fucking listen to on drugs. And so, uh, yeah, Acid House in 1988 became super popular, was named from this track called Acid Tracks by this group called Future in Chicago. Uh, And dude, pretty much was just based around like a 120 to 130 BPM, which is just like the perfect dancing music, just perfect tempo, just going, just uns, 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 just, yeah. just the perfect yeah, 120, 130, that's pretty fast, right? Yeah, because the average yeah. heart rate is like, what, 70-ish? Is, uh, uh, so mine's 40, like, resting. Dude, yeah, right. you must work <laughs> out. You, how are you even alive, dude? <laughs> well, so, I mean, that's kind of funny, actually, because like… Um, I think house music does fall in the 120 to 130 and then dubstep is like 140 and then like um, DNB, which is honestly DNB, like drum and bass is way more danceable to me than house right. music. And that's like one, 160, 175. Yeah. And then you start getting um, into like GABA and shit <laughs> or, or Gabber is what it's called. Uh, it's like, what's that? It's like super hardcore, like fucking electronic music. It's just literally oh, just yeah. like. I, so I, I threw some of the songs, some songs in the playlist, dude. But it's is that literally like hard just, style. It's exactly yeah. It's like hard style, but like fucking just nuts. It's it's based out of the UK, essentially is where it started. But it's Very literally cool. just fucking, just the hardest fucking electronic music ever. It's just it tear the fucking walls down. Fucking, it's insane, <laughs> it's those, dude. It's the snares, dude. What's hyper pop? Really like loud <laughs> snares that are just like. Dude, yeah, exactly. It's it, it, and it's also just like noise and like bit crushing and stuff too. It's it's just it's so interesting to listen to. I've been getting fucking Whoa. geeked on the fucking UK rave music, dude. It's nuts. So uh, weird. Hyper pop's only at eighty to hundred BPM, so that must be fast <laughs> as hell. Because hyper pop is like insanely fast to me, dude. Well, eighty to ninety is slower than what we're talking about, so that's wrong. Well, but. <laughs> I mean, what? 80 is still the same thing I said as 160. 80 to 100. I said no, your, yours must be fast. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, 80 is not the same as 160. Are you, gaslighting me? you No, dude. To, okay, people. Okay, the only you reason people do that, and if they make it 80, but they instead of having the snare be on two and four, the snare is now on three on every bar because it's split into half bars. Is usually like how like trap and stuff like works because they do that so then they can program the hi hats to be like the. Super fast hi hats, and they can program them uh, to do super fast shit only if it's at a higher BPM, but split into a half. Thing. Anyways, uh, so Somebody 80 is a slower school. BPM than 140. Fight me on this. I'll fight you to the death. <laughs> I said 160 because it's half. It's literally half yeah, exactly. But, it's right. not the same exact tempo. No, obviously 160 beats per minute is way more than 80. <laughs> Right. I love that this but. is an <laughs> argument. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, okay, now that we've got that cleared out, let's go back to fucking talking about raves, dude. <laughs> fucking so raves in the fucking 80s and 
and late 80s, early 90s just took off, dude. Especially with, like, with the with the mass use of like ecstasy and stuff and MDMA, uh, it's just, and MDMA. Sorry. Same thing. I know. As soon as I said it, I was just like, so the mass use of MDMA taken in pill form, usually at that time just took off. So they (laughs) beans, dude. (laughs) So they would, this is like kind of when they started to have like the abandoned warehouse raves and because they were like unregulated really. So you could just, sell and do drugs and stuff like that so they would start having these and then they would have them in like so there's this motorway around london called the m25 and i don't know if you know like london at all like if you looked at it on a map but it's basically if you, it's kind of like a, made up of like a circle like around around the fucking city of london there's a giant freeway called the m25 that just circles the outskirts of the city and so they would have these raves at these either abandoned warehouses or like in the countryside where there would just be no people around really so they like couldn't be disturbed so they would have these fucking raves and they're just starting to get more and more popular more and more people were showing up doing mdma and stuff and so then eventually led to this crazy festival that happened near uh worcestershire which is uh like central western london worcestershire <laughs> how do you how is it pronounced? <laughs> Worcestershire. Oh, okay, so cool. It's, it's Worcestershire. <laughs> you, you can't use the R. All right, now, bro. Let's get back to the conversation. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, nice, one, bro. <laughs> nice one, bro. Nice one, bro. Surfer from <laughs> surfer from the UK. Nice one, bro. You got barreled. Nice one, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So there was this festival. That happens. That happened. Uh, it's in Malvern, which is near Worcestershire, which is like central, like Western England, uh, kind of between London and like Wales, essentially, if you know England at all. Um, so this was meant to be like a small free festival, but there was some other big festival that was happening that got like shut down or something like that. I don't remember what it was called. So what you, was intended to be like a small free festival for like a week in this little countryside little town. Ended up having over 40,000 people show up in in the course of a week. Yeah. Fucking insane amount of people just... That's a city. That's a city. Dude, yeah. In this tiny little town in like the countryside of like England. It's a city in Oregon. Yeah. I mean, it it, it, it could be a city anywhere, but yeah, you know. It's a fuck ton of people. So... Yeah. And literally, there were no regulations at all before this. Like... (laughs) There are no regulations before this at all uh, about, like, how many people, like, you could have at a fucking show or, like, any, anything like that. They weren't really cracking down on the whole rave scene. And so, um, and but when this happened, it was literally, like, the beginning of, like, the UK government being like, all right, like, we got to fucking do something about this. This is insane. Like, we can't have this happen anymore. So in 19, So this happened in 1992. So in 1994, they implemented what was called the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act, which was basically giving the police power to stop any unplanned raves with 100 people or more, which then made it extremely hard to fucking... Only with 100 people or more, so you get 99 dudes up in there? <laughs> yeah, man. Just have a sick little mini warehouse party, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they would have... 
So after that, after 94, it just came, made the underground rave scene just extremely difficult and still is hard to deal with, like, you know, up until, like, through today. Especially in London has made, like, the whole UK rave scene, like, in the underground rave scene, extremely hard. Because, you know, over there, so many people are trying to do drugs and just go rave. So they made it, they still want to do the abandoned raves and they're still dedicated to that. But they're also still going to, like, festivals and stuff. Um, So one of the things I want to talk about in current culture is the the usage of MDMA at festivals currently. Um, So in 2018, music festival attendees found 73.4% had reported substance use in the past year. So 73 out of 100 people at festivals are using some sort of substance. Out of and the other percentage lied, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then so ecstasy was 59.8% of that 73% was fucking people reporting they were doing ecstasy. So, yeah, so MDMA more than half, That's- yeah. So, yeah, yeah basically 60 and the out other of 100 half people, lied. Were, yeah, dude, exactly. Yeah. So, most people, they were the majority, they were like, I shouldn't tell this guy anything. Dude, yeah. So the majority of people at a festival essentially are doing MDMA, which is yeah, fucking awesome because they, a lot of people relate it to like, I bring this up every episode, dude, the Grateful Dead. Shout out to Grateful Dead. Uh, but then when they would all take acid together and it would just be like a collective energy that you couldn't like, you couldn't get if you, unless you were doing this. And so everybody on- I disagree with what on, you're saying wholeheartedly. Nah, Dude, with everyone no, showing up and doing, thing, but I know what this is leading into. You're gonna say that everyone taking MDMA is kind of similar to being like a wholehearted collective, and I would disagree fully. I don't think a Every wholehearted collective. I, I think it's a collective energy. It's a built up energy, but it's not necessarily it's so the gross. same as like as acid and shit like that. It's not like a collective like conscience thing. It's just a collective amount of energy of just fucking let's go dude just dancing and shit uh when i've went to shows and people are on ecstasy like it is so fucking off-putting because people are coming up to you and touching your face and kissing you on the mouth and you don't know them and then they're just like oh my god i love you so much and that that ain't me dude i fucking hate it yeah i it's just like yeah, or it's just like some really buff dude that's like he has a, he has a full balls. he has a full camelback of water on his back, but he's like, "Hey, bro, you got any water, bro?" <laughs> and then as you hand him water, he's like, "Yo, where are you from, man?" And you're like, "You want to be friends?" Like, <laughs> uh, Micah and I went to an underground rave uh, not too long ago. Was that like a month or two ago, or probably two months ago? And a dude came up to Micah and I, and we're, he was like, oh, I know you guys. Like, where have I met you? And just wouldn't let us go for a minute. And Micah was like, are you rolling? And he was like, how'd you know? <laughs> and Micah was like, I just, I, I just know. <laughs> well, it, no, I mean, that's a common, actually, like, effect with MDMA and MDA is that uh, people will see uh, familiarity in faces. So they'll, they'll see a face, and they'll actually, like, tr- it's a part of the hallucinatory effects literally think that that person is someone they've met and so they will come up with full confidence and go oh my god hey like how's it going and like they'll they'll talk to you for a little bit and when they realize it is the funniest shit to see in their face when they realize dude we had to tell him like eight times like dude we don't (laughs) oh yeah he kept trying to be we were like do you skate like do you 
Yeah, we were trying to figure it out, but we, it, we knew we didn't know this guy, but he was really trying to figure out where he knew us from. And we, and then Mike was like, are you on ecstasy right now? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, Mike was like, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> and he was like, how'd you know? And he was just like, I just, I, I just Well, because actually, yeah, he wasn't oh, actually, yeah. he wasn't being as intense as some people no, are. I think he, he was, was on nice. a pretty normal dose. He, he, he just nice. came up to his normal and was like, oh my God, hey, I know you guys. And this guy was nice, but th- I've that's met a funny. lot of other people who are way too intense. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, actually, that's part of like what Ryan has put on our playlist, and I-, I suggested doing it, was like some of the artists have now created like their own festivals in the scenes. And so like there's like there's certain crowds. And that's why I, I wouldn't say I don't want to give people this idea that all music festivals in general, electronic ones, have more than 50 percent of the people doing MDMA because that's just not true. It comes down to a lot of the times the type of music that it is. Yeah. Sure. And I've noticed, like, I, I have, I love dubstep. I've loved it ever since I was in sixth grade, right? I was that weird kid. And now it's turned into a thing where, like, a lot of the dubstep crowd is just really, really intense. We like to call them Molly Munchers um, <laughs> because they're just people who will get incredibly high. They'll take like four to five times the normal dose of MDMA in the middle of broad daylight like before the festival or the show really has even like kicked off and you can see like all the physical effects that mdma high doses has on people and it's not fun i always like fucking just sweating super bad mdma makes the galaxy dude (laughs) gurners of the galaxy on youtube check them out um it will indicate some of that and that's the thing those people in the uk which is where gurners of the galaxy is filmed um Kids in the UK, I'm sorry to call you all out, but uh, they're taking like upwards of a gram to a, you know, two grams in a night to themselves. I've read multiple Reddit reports about this, dude. I went deep into the Reddit. Oh, yeah. No, they're intense. And the thing is, they'll do that every weekend. Like how we do cocaine out here, like partying at at bars and stuff. They will buy a gram for themselves and just go through it within the night. And that has to link to their like high depression. Oh, oh, absolutely. Dude, well, for sure. I could not well, imagine, dude. I do MDMA like four times a year and dude. like it still impacts my depression, I feel like, <laughs> sometimes. Dude, and what's crazy <laughs> is that in the UK, it's the second most used stimulant in the entire country. It's because it's like $10 a gram, dude. Over yeah. here, it's 100 Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so even fucking, so MDMA use in 16 to 24 year olds, this is a, tw- uh, a study from 2019 to 2020. 21% of people 16 to 24 said they'd used MDMA in the last year. That's approximately 1.3 million people in the UK. That's fucking... <laughs> how many people there? 20 million? Uh, there's got to be more than that. Um, well, but... and this is the thing with statistics is that's that's the number of people who are willing to take that study. So imagine yeah. the vast amounts of people who didn't. So that's the that's the shitty thing about statistics that I've mentioned in even the fentanyl episode is that statistics are by and large flawed in many ways. Like you can't say one point whatever million people took ecstasy in the last year because I bet another 500,000 people were just like, I'm not going to fucking take a survey. I know I wouldn't. What the fuck's the point? Yeah, exactly. It's... uh or they're like, oh, what are they going to do with that information? Are they going to arrest me or something like that? Like, people are just paranoid. They just... Right. I don't want to be on, in on list. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, they're coming in on drugs. They don't want anyone to know they're on... Well, most people probably don't want people, other people to know they're on drugs. Like, you know, some people probably don't care. 
and that's a lot of the people that are taking these surveys and stuff like that. But if I walk into a festival, dude, I'm not, and someone tries to immediately talk to me about how many, how much drugs I've ingested. That is like the last thing I want to talk about. Like, so no, I walk um, right past them. Don't say a word to them. <laughs> dude, yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about as well with the, with the current UK rave scene, dude. Okay. Shout out the UK fucking electronic music, dude. I've been going down the rabbit hole fucking so hard this past week of just like, just nonstop listening to like drum and bass and like just. Yeah, you've texted me like 30 times a day about Dude, different artists. It's so fun. I've just been, so I've still been in COVID quarantine. Shout out COVID. Uh, just chilling. Uh, today's day 10, I think. Uh, so I get to get out. Tomorrow. Yeah, thanks um, for flying in again, by the way. Yeah, dude, no problem. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, still anyways. letting you on that plane with the fake vax card, dude. Yes, yeah. I, I, man, you know, they, I did it once, I did it twice. Fucking nice, nice. <laughs> did, did it four times because you fly there and back every week with the nice. So, anyways, shout out the UK rave scene, dude. Uh, these fucking dudes at these abandoned warehouse parties, I watched so many videos on YouTube of all this. They're so sick. So, dude, the squatting laws in the UK are wild. So they can have these abandoned warehouse parties because like some, so they'll show up to these warehouses, these abandoned warehouse, find, like stake out a place and then they'll go inside. And then if the cops at some point show up, if they get tipped off or whatever, they'll go like someone, I've, I saw a video of some dude walking outside and talking to the cops and being like, yeah, so there's no power in there. We're just squatting for a few days, uh, which is legal in the UK. They're just like, we're just living in there for a few days. So if there's no, if there's no power, there's no gas, there's no utilities that are used in, uh, or that are like, you know, if there, if there are none of those things in that building at the time, or they say there isn't, then they can't do anything about it. it they can, they're legally allowed to squat there. So what they That's would do, awesome. this dude was telling the cops, he's like, yeah, so like, we're just staying here for a few days. There's no electricity. There's nothing like... Uh, and the cops were like, all right, cool, whatever, let them go. And then they fucking had a rave there. <laughs> and it was so sick, dude. Like, I was just like, damn, like, that's fucking cool as fuck. They can just, like, find a fucking warehouse and then just, like, say they're squatting in it and then just have a fucking rave. Like, that's sick as fuck. So, well, the, um, the thing is, you don't have to go all the way to the UK to find that. Like I said, Micah and I just went to something very similar to that just not that long ago. And they've been keep, they keep putting on, uh, shows and things there it just these illegal raves in abandoned buildings all over portland Hell and yeah. the only difference between um the two examples is that cops aren't going to show up in portland <laughs> like, pretty <laughs> much dude it's lawless here it's fucking dude, it's the wild it, west really <clears throat> i mean that that's the thing like i think a lot of people got used to having electronic music events now with like incredible security right like you're going to a venue you're paying thirty to forty dollars for a ticket. You're going through a metal detector. You're going. You're getting all of your pockets, your shoes, everything like searched. And so people have a sense of like comfortability with that. But also, if you were to like, if you started out going to that, which is how I started. Like I, I went to my first show at sixteen, and nice. it was because in Eugene they allow people to. 
go to shows at 16. Which, which is kind of scary. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah, just that's bad. actually, yeah. But, Not nice. I mean, because that is the thing. Like, certain genres of music do attract certain types of There's crowds. creeps. There's creeps that will and show not up. even just creeps, but just, like, the drug use, right? The stuff yeah, that's going on definitely. for certain music yeah. is not something. Like, Vans Warped Tour. I don't give a fuck if little 12-year-olds are going to Vans Warped Tour. Right. But something like uh, Burning Man, you know, I don't really <laughs> feel like kids should be being brought to that. No. no. Um, just an all-ages drug fest that's like Well, and that's the thing. A lot of the music festivals I've been to are all-ages, and I have seen kids, like babies. There was actually a baby at freaking Tipper Red Rocks. and they Rolling had, balls? Well, it had headphones on, <laughs> oh, earplugs. So, you know, it was tripping Damn. safely. He was just listening to white noise, dude. He was just trying to get into his meditation. (laughs) So I have heard of actually, I have heard of uh, parents giving their kids uh, microdoses of things like MDMA and LSD. So messed up. It's typically the deadhead community. Um, yeah, sorry to call dude, out Ryan's uh, (laughs) Ryan's squad, dude. Okay, first of all, don't, don't, don't no, it's true though. It's not it's all true. deadheads. I know it happens a lot in deadhead community and stuff, but it's don't don't make it seem like it. I would just say that's probably that like kids. if we're gonna talk about the type of crowds that attract certain types of drug usage. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Dead. I agree. Yeah. Uh, dude, yeah, I, I, I think Ryan mind. can say or I think Micah can say whatever he wants about deadheads given his situation. I completely agree. You know, that my dad said, wanted <laughs> You know, my dad wanted my sister and I to be born, like literally born at a dead show. Like he begged my mom to please give <laughs> oh birth at a show. Because one time, Micah him- could say whatever the fuck he wants about the dead. Right? You time- have nothing you could say in rebuttal. <laughs> he said that him and this one lady were like getting it outside of the tent, like just in full like view, and that Bob Weir shouted it out. Supposedly, <laughs> he said he said that Bob stopped the show and said, "Look at these two people just loving each- like something like that." Like, oh just- my dude, god, dude, fuck yeah, dude! Shout out <laughs> Bob Weir, dude. My boy that was Bobby. Going on. <laughs> Let's get back on track. With yeah. The okay. I just wanted Wait, to mention that's that's a great story about Micah's <laughs> ch- childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Micah's parents and fucking the Grateful Dead, dude. Micah's mom's Weir. dope. Micah's mom's one of my favorite people. I have never met his mom, but shout out Micah's mom. She seems dope. Did she introduce me to fucking uh, Mickey Hart Planet Drum, which is a sick album, dude? So shout out Micah's oh, yeah. mom, uh, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> is nope. that her name? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know your mom's name, dude. <laughs> Yikes. Let's just move along. Uh, that was Ali's mom's we're, name. We're, yeah, let's oh, not Jesus say Micah's Christ, mom. Dude. Let, All right. Let's just shout out uh, Cindy. Mike's mom. Shout out Cindy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa. Marissa. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so yeah, one of the other things I want to talk about real quick. Cindy Melissa Marissa is her name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to talk about just a couple of the differences between like festival and like rave culture between the U.S. and like European countries. Uh, like dubstep and Mikey, you can correct me on this. From what I've read, dubstep is mostly prominent in the U.S. versus like in Europe and other countries. It's more like drum and bass and like house or like or I guess just predominantly yeah. like those so styles of like genres. But you dubstep would know. blew up. Dubstep definitely blew up in the United States, and like the dubstep is typically referring to just one forty, right? Uh, yeah, and that's what you were saying. There's an entire like uh, like huge umbrella term of bass music that is being created out here in the 
in the States that is definitely much more of like a United States thing. And just and experimental. It's typically experimental because that's the thing. It's like it, it ranges from anywhere from 100 or from 80 or even 70 actually to like 180 BPM. But it still uses a lot of the same like low frequency subs and those like growling sine waves and stuff like that. And uh, um, yeah, I guess a lot of saws. I, I don't know. Essentially like a lot of this music for dubstep all kind of comes into the same like format it's all written in a very similar format but dubstep was started in the uk and some of the most like what we will call classic dubstep um is a uk thing uh, and particularly like a western europe thing and it's a lot of the times it's the 140 that's just incredibly repetitive it's like really good for like bobbing your head and just like it's like that constant wub 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 that kind of dubstep. Okay. Whereas like Skrillex dubstep, which a lot of people when they think dubstep, they they think of Skrillex because he kind of created one of the first like uh, unique dubstep sounds with a lot of saw waves and right. just like crazy wacko noises. Shout out Scary um, Monsters still, and Ice Sprites. Yeah, dude. I mean, he he is like a king, right, for that style. But again, like dubstep is almost an umbrella term too because. It just falls into like so many different uh, genres. So in a sense, like what I was trying to say at the end of this is just that the UK, I can't remember the name of the guy, but like the first one who created that kind of like wob, 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 wob type sound that people refer to dubstep with, he was uh, British. And then, you know, it definitely has moved out over here. But some of the biggest names in dubstep, like Rusko, Caspa, um, you know, a lot of these guys are, they're from... You know the UK, and oh uh, fuck yeah! Dude. I think honestly, it's weird, dude. I'd say some of the, my favorite producers in this because this is some of my favorite music, right? Uh, is are people who came from the UK, like uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, Cursa and and Tipper, and a lot of those guys are all British. So oh, I didn't know Tipper was British. That's sick as fuck, dude. Uh, yeah, damn, dude. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the electronic music I've listened to over the past week has all just been British, like electronic music whether it being dubstep or drum and bass or house it's most of it's been british and that's why i thought so it started fucking there sick it's crazy like, that that they were really the ones that like took it and just fucking ran with it we're like apparently the u.s like techno and all that kind of started when like the u.s even though they were influenced by Kraftwerk, which is a german group um but and but the uk basically took all of that and, and we're just boys. like yo dude and just fucking ran with it and thank Fucking thank God, dude. Thank the Lord. Thank fucking Jesus. Thank the Queen. I thought dude. Venga Boys, We Like to Party was like the very first MDMA you, dude, song. You know Queen Elizabeth loves dubstep. Dude. I can, <laughs> and Crazy Frog. <laughs> and Crazy. <laughs> and what is that little blue man? I think that's uh, honestly. No, I think Crazy Frog is honestly what influenced all of my drug use as like a teenager and adult. Is because my grandma brought, bought us the CD. When it would like come up as like the the infomercial for the CD, our grandma bought us that, and we would freaking jammed the Crazy Frog. Dude, hell yeah, that's sick as fuck. <laughs> bing, bing, uh, bing, 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 <laughs> Dude, Crazy Frog goes I so hard. Dude. <laughs> it's between that and Chief Keef is the reason I do ecstasy. <laughs> oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, definitely, dude. Fucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta put that on the. Like, we're gonna put that on the playlist too. That's fucking fire, dude. Honestly, uh, we can't we can't talk about uh, music and 
MDMA without talking about like rap because rap yeah. always is talking about MDMA. Dude, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's beans. So listen many... to any Chicago rap song; they all reference beans. Beans is a a slang term for uh, ecstasy pills. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. That's yeah. what's up. That's I just popped the nice. bean. That's ecstasy. That's MDMA. I heard you say bean. I didn't know what you were referring to, but that's cool, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm trying to. I'm trying to oh, eat some yeah. bean. <laughs> yeah, like half of the Chief Keef songs. <laughs> Talks about drinking Molly water, popping beans, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking Pop shout out Chief no. Keef, dude. Pop Real quick, backing no. up. I just want to shout out uh, some of the UK artists I've been listening to lately. Fucking shout out Serum. Uh, shout out this dude Nick Gray. He's kind of a coming up dude. Fucking sick. Uh, shout out fucking. Well, dude. First of all. Shout out fucking an RIP Avicii. I don't know why I didn't talk about him in the alcohol episode. Dude basically drank himself to death just from partying so hard. Shout out that guy. Fucking Avicii? Made Avicii, dude, or Avicii or whatever his fucking name is. He died for alcohol? I didn't know that. Pretty oh, much, no. yeah. Like basically. he fucking, his body essentially shut down from just like partying and drinking. Like the Damn. doctors, his last like few, like either year or few months of his life were like, yo, like you can't drink at all. Like, don't wow. do it. Absolute fucking lame. Yeah, he died yeah. pretty recently. Yeah, a few years ago. I think in I think he was 27. I think he was 27 Club. So shout out 27 Club. Uh, anyways, uh, I found this other Japanese artist. I think it's it's Curion or something. It's Q-R-I-O-N. She's fucking sick as fuck, dude. Uh, and then, yeah, dude. That's all. I mean, you Crystal know. Crystal Castles. Like, yeah, Crystal Castles. And then there's like Eric Pr- Prides or Prids or whatever. Prids, who did like. Yeah. Grimes. Call on me, call me, dude. Just fucking dude. banger, dude. Eric Prids is insane, dude. So good. Uh, All that music is just like perfect for uh, you know raving. Not even raving. Uh, my favorite thing to do when I'm on MDMA is just like sit at home with very low BPM kind of electronic music. Even Gorillas, dude. No, yeah, Boards of Canada yeah. or like William Orbit or like Crystal yeah. Castles is fucking great too. Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh, dude. and uh, uh, purity ring, mm. unknown mm-hmm. mortal mm. orchestras, purity ring. Well, no, honeybee, honeybee action, dude. Shout out the bees. Wait, you like honeybee? Honeybee's fire, dude. That's a good song. Oh, oh, never mind. I thought you meant the artist. Sorry. Uh-huh. No, I was talking about unknown mortal orchestra. They have a song oh, called no. Honeybee. Well, listen. anyways, what were you gonna say? Two. <laughs> I was going to say, have we infiltrated our minds with enough media for, or with enough culture for the day? I think we've, we've overdone our, our culture uh, corner. And I think, I think I'm, should, I uh, loved this. I, I honestly have loved this because this is a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. And for context, I am the only person really in this group who actually loves to death this music. Like I listen to it every single day. Um, Hell yeah. And I go to these events a lot. And so, and you see these people on, because uh, you don't take MDMA at these events typically. No, you haven't I, in years. Well, no. Yeah, in years. Yeah. Like, it, it's something that I used to do because I thought that that's what you did. But at with these events, what but. you and I have agreed on, it ruins these fucking events. Oh, yeah. No, no matter what goes it is. Okay. So, the only thing is, I think that uh, combinations, MDMA is one of the best drugs 
to be combined with other drugs. And now I know that sounds incredibly different than what we've said in the previous episode. Yeah, it episode sounds so hypocritical about, from what like, we've said in the past. You but know, it, don't it's, combine drugs. It's drug depending. Never mix it with alcohol. That will just, that's fucking just stupid. Don't no, do it. No, well, yeah. and it's actually like, so mixing it with alcohol is like not as unsafe as no, it's mixing not unsafe, other drugs. unsafe, but it's just dumb. It's, it's stupid, yeah, yeah. because yeah. you're going to just diminish a lot of the cool psychedelic kind of trippy effects that MDMA could have if you right. ingest alcohol with it. And same goes with any other like central nervous system depressant. Um, I mean, even cannabis, like if cannabis is something that only makes you chill and like really calm and stuff, why smoke it while you're trying to have like this part, like, you know, party. Which so many people dance do. By. No, they totally do. And I, I actually love smoking cannabis with it at the end of it because it's just a way of kind of, uh, it creates like a new kind of. Because the come down can be rough too. It yeah. can be. And that's something that like I'll probably talk about a little bit in my portion because it does, you know, it actually ties into a lot of like the, some of our predisposed uh, ideas on MDMA. A lot of people think that MDMA will cause you to want to kill yourself is what I've heard. Um, you know, it increases suicide idolatry. Um And yeah, so I guess, I mean, I guess I'll just go into it because the thing with MDMA is like, we've talked about it a little bit earlier. It does release serotonin. It will, when Loads. it goes into the body, it actually affects serotonin the most out of all the other neurotransmitters. The thing is, is that uh, the way that it acts is similar to how an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, like Prozac or whatever antidepressant drug, is is trying to get at. So what those drugs are trying to do is block serotonin from being recycled back into the neuron that it came from. And so essentially the idea is that there's more serotonin hanging out, stimulating other neurons. Which briefly should we talk about that you should not really take MDMA while on an SSRI? Yeah. So because of what MDMA is doing, when it gets in, you know, and attaches to these uh, serotonin receptors, it's considered a serotonin agonist. And this means that it's uh, allowing for serotonin to just be released from neurons, particularly uh, presynaptic serotonin neurons. So like it, 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 presynaptic just means like it's the neuron that it was first sent from. So serotonin ends up getting released a lot. It's, it's like being pushed out when an agonist comes on and hangs out on it. Now, MDMA is trying to kind of do what SSRIs do, but the thing about SSRIs is that they are working at a very slow rate. So say someone's been on a prescription antidepressant, uh, whether it's an S SRI or a SNRI, which is serotonin selective uh, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, same kind of thing will happen where the effects of the MDMA will actually be diminished or like almost non-existent. I can speak from um, from personal experience that I used to be on SSRIs and I took the same amount as everybody. And they were pressed pills from uh, the Netherlands, right, Micah? Yeah, they were those. There well, were Teslas or whatever. They were the fake orange Teslas, which honestly ended up being better than the CP. Orange Tesla. So they were, but they were really high milligram MDMA pills. Um, Everybody took them. Everybody was so out of their mind, unbelievably high. A lot of people only took half and were just so freaking like insanely high. And I was on SSRIs and I took a whole one and I didn't feel a damn thing. (laughs) 
Huh. Yeah, well, and, and that's actually... So, one of the things about it is... Uh, it's uh, kind of similar to what... He, like, the reason that MDMA is being used in, uh, like, therapy for people with PTSD comes down to a lot of uh, the rates of people who take SSRIs and don't have an effect from. Um, specifically, PTSD right now, the only things, the drugs to treat it are SSRIs. There's like two very common ones. I can't remember the names. But 60% of people do not respond to that for PTSD. So then the thing huh. is, is you've got all these people taking a drug that is affecting their serotonin. It's changing chemical, like... Uh, it's literally changing uh, their brain chemistry over time because they're taking this drug every single day, probably multiple times a day, and then they don't actually get the effect that they were hoping to get. Their doctor might have said they might get. So then, in a sense, having something like MDMA that works on serotonin similarly to these drugs, but instantly, right? So these drugs, the idea is like pretty much trying to create more serotonin in the brain to, to help more serotonin being released and things like that to make, make people feel good. MDMA, as soon as it's doing its job, it's releasing serotonin. So that's actually one of the biggest arguments is why serotonin might be good for PTSD is that there are 60% of people taking drugs for PTSD that are approved and they're not even getting any result. And they may actually be getting... SSRIs are weird because there's actually a lot of people who will have the opposite response and their suicidal ideation will end up increasing. They are more likely to kill themselves taking SSRIs. Now, with MDMA, there is a weird thing where, I mean, for PTSD, like, this is the biggest thing. It's like the FDA has literally granted breakthrough therapy as a designation for MDMA, meaning like they are trying very hard to get it scheduled into a different class by the DEA saying that it does have that accepted medical value. Because there's tons of studies showing recently that MDMA doesn't increase suicidality. And that, like placebo-controlled studies have shown that. And that also, like, people who have had a history of using SSRIs possibly aren't going to be affected by MDMA as well when, when taking it for PTSD. So there's a huge, like, desire or also need, right, to get a drug or a treatment or something that can be more beneficial because PTSD specifically in just veterans costs the United States something around like $70 million a year. Jesus Christ. Just treating PTSD in only veterans. Now, a lot of people have PTSD. PTSD can come from all sorts of things. Childhood trauma, uh, you know, near-death experience, whatever, right? So our troops are going out and coming back home as like zombies and we feed them things like Prozac and Zoloft and 60% of them don't even get an effect from it. So this is part of why the FDA has designated it a breakthrough therapy. So a lot of the studies that are going on and shouts out Dr. Chris Stoffer at Oregon Health and Science University um, and the, and the, the Portland VA, because he is actually conducting um, some of the first MDMA assisted psychotherapy trials here in Portland, Oregon um, with veterans and, uh, I think it's awesome and I'm really happy because I want to see this become more of a... I mean, we talked about it earlier. In the 80s, it was being used in therapy. Why did it stop? Well, it got into the hands of a bunch of people wanting to party and use it recreationally and pretty much show that, yes, it is a drug of abuse and it's a drug 
that'll cause problems and all these things. Well, what I want to say about um, the depression aspect of it, which I wish I would have mentioned a little earlier, is with the suicidal thing. Typically, that's going to come from people heavily abusing it and in not a therapeutic way. A lot of people are going to be up all night and then maybe mixing it with other things that shouldn't be mixed with, like Coke and stuff like that. And then just having just being completely serotonin depleted. But the thing about MDMA, and the only way I'll take it is if you do it in a controlled environment with your very closest friends and kind of have like an issue you almost want to work out or like just want to feel better in life, and you take it, it can be the best antidepressant for months. One yeah, dose. a lot of people use it One in couples easy therapy. dose. Yeah, they should. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, it would work amazing. Or, yeah, I'm not. Or sorry, I didn't mean to Even better, you. it will make people admit that they hate each other and they'll break up and get out of a toxic relationship. Yeah. That I can mean, happen too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Any, anything could happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, because a lot of people, especially with like therapy in general, they a lot of people relate the feeling of MDMA to like kind of like a fuzzy warmth feeling. It just makes you feel more comfortable I guess with like your opinions or your well, I know emotions. I, ha- I have well, a really hard time telling people when I'm like uncomfortable with them or that they've like I felt that they've done me wrong. And every single time I've taken MDMA, I've been able to open up to those people and say, "Hey, like I didn't appreciate this thing you did, and it ended up being better for me." So okay. it's not only you're not going to feel these inflated thoughts of only good. You're also going to be more open with yourself and how you're going to communicate with people in the future and kind of open up to people and tell them that they've done you wrong at the same time. Hell yeah. No, that's great. And that's actually part of what, I mean, I'm glad you guys brought all that up because the thing is like a lot of what clinicians have started to suggest with the, the whole PTSD thing is that MDMA sort of catalyzes therapeutic processing, um, by like allowing the patients to stay emotionally engaged while revisiting traumatic experiences without becoming overwhelmed. So like in a sense, it sort of helps them, um, you know, move through a thing that they possibly have put back into a certain part of their brain and just not wanted to think about almost like with you, Raven, not wanting to bring up something that you know may cause conflict, maybe with a friend or a romantic partner or whatever. And then when you're under this influence where you aren't overwhelmed and you actually have more of a, you know, you have clarity and you have the ability to sort of uh, revisit whatever you've been trying to talk about or think about or whatever. And you revisit it in a very calm as well as happier like mood. And actually, that's the thing. I don't want to make MDMA sound like it is this incredibly happy drug because there there's people that can take a large dose without any predisposed depressive episodes or anything and end up having what would be considered a dysphoric experience rather than a euphoric experience with it, where things like, and you'll hear this sometimes, like things like a song that someone used to love listening to, they will listen to while having an MDMA experience that was a really high dose, and they will end up not being able to listen to that song again because it actually induces a feeling of like dread and just this weird negative thing. And, And they didn't necessarily have a bad time on it. Right. One of the best examples of that that I have is there was a song that I used to love listening to. Um, and whenever my ex, Allie, started to sing it, uh, whenever we were rolling together one time, now anytime I hear that song, I think about her singing it. 
And I'm just like, fuck this shit. I don't want to ever. <laughs> it's a weird thing. And I'm not, I'm not saying it because we're, we're broken up. Straight up, that happened no, within a yeah. month. Like every time I heard the song, I would think about our experience together and I would go, Ugh. I have an entire Damn. playlist that I cannot listen to any of the songs because I took, I took uh, MDMA and listened to this playlist and had a good time. But now afterwards, it almost brings up the PTSD of that high. And just like, because it's such a traumatic experience when you're doing it in a therapeutical way, but taking extremely high doses. So then afterward, you can't really think about those things without feeling like almost sick to your stomach. It's super weird because it's beneficial, but then you can't really think back on it without feeling sick in a way. It's weird. No, exactly. Every time I... Sorry, just real quick. Every time I think about MDMA, like I always get like a sick feeling to my stomach because like the last time I did MDMA was a really fucked up experience, which I'll get into later. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I can just relate in that because like every time, just even talking about the drug, it's just like, dude, like fuck, just you just get this, this weird like pit in your stomach where you're just like, holy fuck, like it just brings you back to researching. That last experience. Researching for this entire episode made me kind of like nauseous. And then you yeah. watch, you and Micah watch Gurners of the Galaxy. I cannot <laughs> watch that. Dude, I watched like is, eight episodes it makes of me that. Sick to <laughs> By episode four, it, I was seeing, like, yo. <laughs> what you're seeing is people feeling good, but you've been in their shoes and you're just like, Ugh, it's like a slimy feeling. It's weird because oh, I'm not totally. meant to be that happy. I'm meant to be fucking depressed. Well, see, that's the thing though. Is it's, <laughs> it's like happy for, like we said, like three hours and then. If you take too much, absolutely, you are going to be feeling like absolute shit, you know? Like, um, uh, I wouldn't say that people want to kill themselves, right? Like, the suicidality is going up. But I I would say that… <laughs> Sorry, guys. Our special guest is uh, having a bit of a uh, situation here. Um, technical difficulties. Technically. Uh, anyway… Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that it, it's just such an emotionally driven experience that no matter what happens on it, like it comes down a lot of the times to dose. It comes down to the things that happened afterwards. Like if you experienced a breakup or a car accident after you just went to a really cool like, show and had a great experience with all your friends taking MDMA, it's possible that now you're going to associate what happened afterward with the drug and so that it, it almost like it masks that really good effect. And that is part of why therapy, when using MDMA for a therapeutic sense, right? A medical sense, like as an intervention for someone's uh, disease, then therapy has to be involved. You cannot just give people MDMA and then let them sit in the clinic for four hours until they're able to go home and then take, you know, surveys and see how they felt. It's not how it goes. It, MDMA will always be with a psychotherapy. It's, it's always going to be called MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. And that comes down to a lot of the times there is specific therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy and, and different ones that are designed for certain disorders, diseases. And so like for MDMA to assist psychotherapy with PTSD, they're going to use specific types of therapeutic approaches when giving MDMA to people. And then it's going to change. It's going to be for the MDMA-assisted uh, therapy for social autism. Um, or social anxiety in autistic patients, then they're, they're going to use a different approach, right? They're going to use a lot of the therapeutic approaches they would have used typically for that social anxiety and autism, but they're going to add the MDMA with it. So I yeah. almost want to recant what I said because uh, I said it, it, it's a slimy, gross feeling to think back. Uh, that's not 
what I would actually say. It's more of a embarrassment feeling. I feel looking back like I was embarrassed to open up to people the way I did and be as brutally honest or as open and, and just expressing the feelings I had. But that's just me as a person. But it's not a no, slimy feeling. It's more of a, a self-embarrassment because I typically I'm a very shut, closed, emotional person. So it's hard to be open. And then once that happens, it's good. It helps. It's beneficial. But then it's just like I feel so embarrassed afterward. It's weird. Oh, yeah. No, same, dude. It's because like, yeah, being more of an introverted person, especially with how MDMA makes you feel where you just become so like energized and you just don't really like care about what other people think of what you look like at that time. And especially like, I don't, th- I don't know if we talked about like the teeth grinding thing really with MDMA and a lot of people like have like a weird jaw thing that goes on. Uh, if you watch Kerners of the Galaxy, you'll see this, but that's exactly you, what I was you talking have this, about. You that's have this, a, what I'm like, this weird about. like fucking jaw teeth grinding thing just because you're so high in on mdma that you kind of look a little strange and i've I've read through the comments on gurners of the galaxy and a lot of the comments are just like god please don't let me see my own face in this fucking video (laughs) oh well because you know the people that got filmed in that did not know that that was going to get added to Honestly, oh, anyone no. who films anyone on MDMA can go fuck, dude. No, no, that's honestly yeah. how I feel. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing with, like, tripping or, yeah. or whatever Yeah, if someone brings a camera into your LSD trip and tries to record it, fuck them, dude. That's dude, so yeah. not cool. Yeah, for sure. Because you're cool. trying to, like, let loose and let God, you know? So, like, fucking... That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, on God. <laughs> Shout out on God, dude. Bussin'. Bussin' on God, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, yeah. It, it is a... It's an, it's embarrassing, for sure, to, to look back on that and just be like, what the fuck, man? Like, what was I doing? <laughs> or to think so about... I, I did just, I guess, like, uh, to really give people that haven't tried MDMA um, kind of a wide range of, like, the physical effects and mental effects that it could have. I, I think that since we brought up the grinding of the teeth, um, you know, that that is an effect that comes on with higher doses. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse where people will clench their jaws. And this is something that you'll see a lot of the times with any central, serv- central nervous system stimulant. Sorry, so, he's on MDMA. Cocaine, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to take at least 100 milligrams before <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, point. You know, so point. Uh, that's just kind of a normal, that, that happens with a lot of stimulant drugs. And then some of the other weird ones are like, uh, you know, muscle tightness and like decreased appetite. Um, nausea. Nausea is a Thirst. big one um, that, you know, if the doses get increased, typically a lot of people will vomit at one point. With MDMA. And they'll say that it ends up making them feel better. A lot of people almost want to vomit because they feel like it's going to make their high even more intense. And huh. the thing is, is typically the reason that you're vomiting comes down to, weirdly enough, 90% of the serotonin in your entire body, including the brain, is produced in the gut. And so you True. would think that a drug that has to go through the gut to be metabolized, who the drug affects serotonin predominantly, it's likely going to cause some kind of gastrointestinal distress, right? Sure. Or something, right? And so that is one of the, the biggest ones is nausea. Um, and these are all, you know, not very great effects. There's also some really cool effects like nystagmus, uh, which is the shaking of the eyeballs. 
back and forth. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of fun. It's very fun. I think it was one of the yeah. like things that a lot of people love when that happens with MDMA. It's like, oh my gosh, my eyes are just but that really only shaking back and forth. It comes on at, at very high dose. <laughs> no. No. I've only ever experienced it at a very high dose. I've I don't know about other it, people. Though. I've had it at very low doses. Really? Literally 80 milligrams. So wow. less than 100. Damn. And I think a lot of it comes down to the set and setting. Because again, MDMA is still similar to psychedelics in the sense that you do kind of have to be in a good setting as well as mindset to be able to have a really cool, good experience with it. And for me, like Raven and I mentioned, like I prefer MDMA at home in the comfort of my own bed or at least a fort that I might have made, like a bunch of blankets, just things that are going to make me feel good. And I think in a very relaxed and kind of calm state, I've been able to bring on the effects that I want from it just by like sure. almost thinking about them. Um, and that same thing goes with psychedelics or a lot of these drugs where, you know, it comes down to like the power of suggestion. If you suggest yeah. to yourself that it's going to do this, you can probably get it to do it. Well, that's yeah. the weird thing about MDMA is if I, I haven't done it in uh, quite some time. And if I think back, I can definitely like give myself the physical feeling that MDMA would give. Oh, the chills. The dude. chills, the, yeah. the kind of like the, 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 the weird nerves. But um, I couldn't do that with like LSD. I can't just like give myself visuals. On See, purpose. I am the opposite with LSD. I can't tell if it's just yeah, but you do it every flashbacks. fucking day. <laughs> I can't tell if it's constant flashbacks or just like me recalling. No, it's not flashbacks it. if you're doing it every day. I it's don't do H-A-P-P. it every day, okay, dude. I haven't done LSD <laughs> Sorry, since every, fucking every Lovers Wednesday? and Friends. Shout out, <laughs> shout out, Lovers and Friends, where I almost died. <laughs> what was that? Like a week ago, <laughs> dude. That was like that was in whatever. That was two like weeks three ago? weeks ago, two dude. Weeks. Come on. No. I was like, okay, two. but the only reason you haven't done it since then is because you've had COVID. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> to agree Jay to Money disagree. has dude. only been 27. <laughs> agree to weeks. agree. Okay. Damn, dude. Jay you Money gotta... still has a freaking year left till he can die. I was going to say he's got like 10 months till he can fucking die, dude. You got to figure out that downward spiral real soon there, bruv. Uh, <laughs> who are you talking to? <laughs> to Jay Money listens to the podcast, dude. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Shout out my boy Jay Shout Money who listens to the podcast, dude. Shout out Burt Beyond Bond. Burt Beyond, Burt Beyond Bounds, the dude. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm in the podcast, oh, dude. Holy shit, he's here. Yo, here. So Whoa, dude, today we have shit. a special guest. We brought a special guest onto our show for the very first time. Our very first special guest. His name is Juice. He's the Hello. juice main. Hello. No, he's not I'm juice. Here in a tiny pink cowboy hat. But his ready name is to, Juice. Ready to talk. He is the host of Burt Beyond Bounds on YouTube. Uh, they they do van life videos. They do tons of drugs, mostly meth and heroin. They uh, <laughs> they film That's all the van life. <laughs> <laughs> they lost their house and their children. <laughs> <laughs> they just go around the United States picking up drugs and them in the van. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> we found them out on the street. <laughs> like Yo, the bracelets the- that people wear on MDA. <laughs> <laughs> the juice is out here with the bracelets and the beads. Uh, that Micah, does not happen. Mike, Micah found them because he did the plur handshake with him on the street. <laughs> the peace, <laughs> love, unity, respect. <laughs> should we it just should we just like briefly talk about what nope. candy no okay yeah no i'm fine with that no. talking about it. yeah no, <laughs> look it up that. it's so stupid 
Yeah. No, or don't. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> true. 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 Anyway, so uh, uh, we have Justice here in the studio live. He also has COVID and got on a plane. Uh, <laughs> Justice, <laughs> no, but he- fucking put your shirt back on. Plane life. <laughs> Uh, so and this happening. is going to be our first guest spot of talking about a personal experience. So <laughs> Justice has, a, or Juice, Justice, do you want to be called Justice? Do you I want your care. real name out there? I've already said it like six times. <laughs> no, I do not want my real name out there. Justice, what is your, <laughs> Justice, what is your uh, personal experience that you've had on MDMA? Wait, I'm starting it off? Yeah. Or I guess I'm not. I mean, you're on the show. Dude, we already introduced you. We can't take back. We can't do a take backsies, dude. You got to go. You got to fucking. That is true. You do have a point. (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't, I don't know. You kind of put me on the spot here. Okay. So I'll talk about one of mine first. So uh, one time I took MDMA and I was like, whoa, dude, I'm so high. And then like, I oh, I remember that. I was actually there because my time. Uh, oh, yeah, this leads right into your time. Right. It does, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's one of the times. So to reference back <laughs> earlier how they were talking about how you can put Molly into warm water. And like, for some reason in rap culture, for quite a while, it was a popping thing. They were, it was called Molly water, quite obviously. Tato but, off that Molly water. Wait, no, oh, 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 uh, so, uh, put Molly on the girl's drink, Shane. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Shout out Rick Ross. Rick Ross <laughs> somehow has never gotten got for that, and that needs to happen. Dude, he date raped a chick on a Dude, song. That's insane. He's date raped yeah. chicks so many times that he put it in a song. Yeah, true. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, fuck Rick Ross. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so. It was one night we were all indulging in some fun activities that we may or may not, or they or may or may not have been talking about. And we were doing MDMA. We we were doing MDMA. <laughs> <laughs> it got like we were redosing because you we were partying throughout the night, you know, having a good time. And we were like eighteen. And it got to one point where all of a sudden I was peaking, which all of a sudden you, like they're saying, you get hit by a rush of euphoria where all of a sudden you're just like, just all of a sudden like tunnel vision, need to take a deep breath, drink some water, you know, have some fun. And I look and I see a glass of water on the counter. And so I'm like, all right, perfect, some water. (laughs) I take a big old, like a couple gulps of it. And I very much so taste the molly because it does not <laughs> taste good. And uh, the only uh, the only molly water I remember being made was when Raven put seven points in it earlier. Which how much did you say was a tenth of a gram? Or? I was <laughs> sipping on it. Yeah. No, you didn't drink it. You left no, it on the I counter. I drank enough to where I didn't want anymore. Okay. Okay. He took like two sips and then left it on the counter, which you should not do. Okay. No. Oh my god. Either way, so it's clear liquid. Kids. You cannot tell. It's not. You it doesn't can- turn foggy. It's still definitely clear water. Yeah, it was a wild ride after that. <laughs> so what happened next? <laughs> 
Oh, I don't. Oh, I, he was. Uh, he was pissed. <laughs> I can imagine breaking shit <laughs> because it makes you very angry. No, yeah. not really. Yeah. No, he was I don't just know. like, we "What just the had... fuck? I'm peeking and I just drank someone's Molly water." Yeah, it's like <laughs> I literally just like took a deep breath. I was like, "All right, we're in for a night, boys." Dude, uh, that's yeah. so funny. That's like that one time so when I ate a bunch is... of mushrooms and then accidentally took a hit of acid. <laughs> and was like, oops. Accidentally. <laughs> well, I thought I was taking a less no. amount because I thought it was a microdose. It's like, it's but like it, Charlie when he gets he gets his beer and he's like, oh, is that what all those little pieces of paper were? <laughs> so I just want to I just want to talk about for a second that this is the reason that we talk about drug safety is primarily because we didn't have it as <laughs> younger people. And so we have firsthand experience with uh, kind of being reckless and stupid and have a lot of these like stories. And so we can kind of speak on it because <laughs> we've had a lot of stupid experiences with drugs, which we're yep. going to get into way worse ones in the future. This one luckily didn't end up in anyone having any uh, long lasting effects. Yeah, not everyone's had a fill in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can. I definitely can agree, though, how you guys were talking earlier about you think about a time that you have taken it in the past or a song or anything. And listening to this whole episode, I've had those weird chills this whole time. It's so crazy. Like, you just feel tense in your jaw. Like, yeah, it's the most interesting feeling. Like, it's not necessarily bad, but it almost PTSD. Dude, yeah, it's that's, PTSD, a, that's what I was say. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so being used weird, to treat right? PTSD. It, but it gives you your own PTSD. Yeah, it's but, the craziest. Get your own new connections. And PTSD. Your own new uh, PTSD. Fucking, uh, but it your almost, brand new PTSD. PTSD In a weird roundabout way. In a weird roundabout way, it makes me feel so like self-conscious and um just embarrassed of my past experiences but it kind of makes me want to do it again <laughs> oh dude <laughs> for sure roundabout way like when dude. we talked about ketamine raven was like yo bro could you give me some of that kitty 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 yeah whatever i'm uh, still about it <laughs> dude anyway yeah. can you give me some of that on the show right now so, <laughs> crush crush uh. oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Woo! <laughs> Just like in the movie, guys. <laughs> what you don't Dude. know is they made those sounds because they really just boofed it. <laughs> <laughs> they went. <laughs> we took drugs uh, the legit way. We boofed it. <laughs> oh yeah, you can boof MDMA, guys. Oh, oh yeah, shout we out boofing talk MDMA. About it. We need to start talking about boofing more. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Rec boof rectal MDMA. administration, y'all. It's yeah. one of the best ways to do drugs. Because I said that oh, the, yeah, the, the the list earlier was the ways you take MDMA, but you can absolutely uh, absolutely boof it. A lot of people do. I yeah. knew a lot of people that boofed MDMA. Just make sure that if you're going to do it, you dissolve it in like, you know, maybe 0.1 to 0.2 of a mil. Like really small volume. Because uh, you really don't want a lot of liquid up your uh, rectum and that's, unless that's something that you're into. Um, Only lube. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously <laughs> use lube uh, if that's something that you're into. If not... Do whatever you want to do, um, but yeah, you can you can technically dissolve MDMA in just like a really small amount of water and put it in an oral syringe and uh, shove it up the you know the old sphincter. Heck yeah! <laughs> and uh, you know the best way to do it is obviously have someone do it for you. Uh, yeah, 
in a fun erotic sense. Um, Shout out the homies. But yeah. And then get freaky and wild. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to have to pay Raven to do it. Can you guys believe that? I would Dude. literally be like, yo, man, I'll buy you beers if you could just please shove this in my ass. <laughs> and I used <laughs> and I used to pay to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was great. I'm glad that I used to actually get some funds from that. Well, you got like half your money back. <laughs> well, I actually just funded the whole thing. I paid Micah, which he just turned around and gave that money to Raven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was the one buying the Molly to shove up Micah's ass. Ryan's like the director. <laughs> He's like the, the porn director that like still wants to see some of it, but like won't do it, but has the money for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm exactly like a porn director. <laughs> That's what they all say about me, dude. That's what whenever someone meets me, they're just like, "Oh yeah, dude, this is Ryan. He's like a porn director, dude." Ryan, I've know I know you've got some uh, wild experiences with MDMA. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of us being dumb as fuck and not having a harm reduction courses, uh, you know, when we were younger, um, yeah. I mean, I've well, we had Dare. Dare yeah. taught me that it puts holes in your brain. Yeah. They're they're real good. Dare shout out Dare for being fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> not teaching kids actual good information. I feel like they dared me to do drugs. And <laughs> yeah, dude, that dare. <laughs> <laughs> I dude, I went to a dare program and I was just like, yo, mama ain't raised no bitch, dude. I'm, let me pop that. Bro, mom. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I didn't know what drugs were until Dare showed me, and then I was like, oh, that shit looks kind of dope. Dude, yeah, literally, I, I had no idea about drugs, and I was like, whoa, what is that, dude? Crazy. Dare. Dare in fifth grade is literally what made me want to try ketamine. It was because <laughs> of the fact that they called it like special K, vitamin K. Ooh, I just got to take my vitamins. It just, it was the one <laughs> drug that was a part of that brochure that was incredibly different than all the ones I'd ever heard of, right? Like crack, heroin, PCP, um, you know, all that shit. And then all that shit. I saw ketamine and I was like, oh my God, I need to do it. And I don't, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you were yeah. right. thanks dare like yeah, honestly fuck. thank you dare <laughs> thank the reagans y'all did a really good job honestly without mdma i'd probably be dead so yeah thanks dare yeah dude oh literally don't forget nancy 100 <laughs> percent. nancy, nancy reagan just say no I don't know to facts uh anyways so speaking of fucked up stories and weird experiences on mdma so <clears throat> I was uh, up in Seattle with a friend, and we were on our way back from Seattle to Oregon. This was when I was 18. Uh, I had just moved sure, uh, to LA and uh, was just back home for Christmas. Was up, So I was in Oregon. We were, drove up to Seattle for a few days. So we were up there. While we were there, we had brought a... Uh, quarter pound of weed with us because we were gonna you know make some moolah from some people we knew didn't end up selling it nice nice so but we ended up picking up <laughs> some ecstasy which i had done you know probably... you made no money and you spent money <laughs> exactly dude it was it was a pretty good trip honestly <laughs> so uh i had done ecstasy and molly which is we've, the same thing but so i had done i've done press pills and i'd done actual, mdma uh sorry mdma um uh, powder before uh, and in the past I'd had really only one good experience with MDMA of it I, I think of it either being actual MDMA because the the press pills I'd gotten before were very sketchy from sketchy people and 
had never once felt like this ex- experience that I had um, the first time I actually had good MDMA. So I'd only really had that feeling one time before. And before that, I had driven my car while on a pressed pill and was like totally fine. It just kind of felt like a little tweaky and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is fucking. Because you were probably on meth. Yeah, exactly. Because I was probably on meth. And so I was like, okay, this is fucking fine. So, uh, and I had heard stories from other friends of being on the way back from either Seattle or Portland and being like, yeah, you know, I just popped a pill on the way back because I was, you know, I wanted to test it. See if it was like good. And I was like, Pop okay. the Molly, I'm sweating. Yeah. So we we leave Seattle, quarter pound of weed in the car. And 20-something um, ecstasy pills, MDMA. What, what so, were they? Uh, I don't remember. They were purple something. I don't remember the actual press. Oh, I think they were damn. purple apes is what they were. Something like that. Uh, anyways. Little apes so, on them. Because that's the thing. We, we actually never mentioned this about... Uh, thizzles uh, and press tabs, whatever you call them, thizzles or uh, ecstasy pills or press tabs, whatever you want to call them. Um, typically, they're going to be a color and a stamp in them, and they're going to be very distinct stamps. And that's for identification, knowing what pill you're getting. And a lot of the times, it's really helpful on these drug websites because you can look up if you get the ones off the dark web and and you order them and you get the certain ones you can look up on the pill report websites. If they're the real ones, they'll have the exact press that you bought. So a lot of the times for it's for identification to know what's in your pill. And it's actually really helpful. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, shout out the dark web. Cause honestly, that's where like most dealers now sell, at least in the, like, the UK videos I've seen, most people just don't even sell on the street anymore. They just sh- sell strictly on the dark web. So shout which has made it web. actually incredibly safe. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that the test kits and the the uh, like ever since Silk Road came out, which I think was the early two thousands, um, you know, online ordering of illegal drugs, uh, sort of created like a block or you know a requirement in a sense for dealers, like street level dealers, to have to find a way to like like they can't just sell bunk, meaning like like, like ineffective stuff, or they can't sell. Uh, cut stuff or whatever because people want the pure thing. We've already mentioned that, especially if it's their first time doing it. You know, they don't want this combo of multiple drugs. Right? They want to. They think if I'm buying ecstasy, if I'm buying Molly, if I'm buying MDMA, I am getting what that is supposed to be. And the dark net or the dark web or whatever has created a platform for people to sell drugs at their utmost purity because it's a review based platform just like an Amazon or an eBay or something right so people are able to see across the 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 world which drugs being sold from which suppliers are the best and so you can buy MDMA at an incredibly cheap like rate if you buy it well in reasonable bulk. yeah well no yeah. like like even more than reasonable it's ridiculous it's almost disgusting how cheap some drugs are being sold yeah. on but the when, dark web. But when it comes to MDMA, it's reasonable. I don't know. I honestly think that something like MDMA should not be $10 a gram. For really? 10 doses? No I guess, way. I guess not because for some people, but I, I mean for people like us who do it like four times a year for like but therapeutic. think about like, it. If it was this cheap when we first tried it, when oh. we were being reckless idiot kids, Think about that. Yeah. We we may true. have created the same kind of thing that is going on in the UK. Yeah. 
And I think that like Australia is a good example. There is less drug abuse and less money being spent on drug abuse in Australia. And the weird thing about Australia is that their drugs, a lot of the times, like cost double the amount that it costs in the United States. But this is the thing. Some drugs are beneficial and good. Abusing drugs yeah. typically is not beneficial or good, but there are no. drugs that are beneficial. We talked about how MDMA is being used in therapy, as it should. It absolutely should be. Right. Yeah, it and all comes again, down. That's it, it all comes down to just like being responsible about it. It doesn't matter how much it should be sold for how however a little more expensive than however much it costs to produce. Uh so like you know, if it back if to your story though, I'm sorry. No, I mean I think this was a good side note that we just forgot to mention earlier and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you know. I Anyways, agree. I I think that you know it should be a little bit more expensive than the cost of production and all the things that go into it, like shipping and fucking getting it to you and stuff like that, uh, especially with it being illegal. Like, I certainly don't think it should be as expensive as being like what it was. I think like, it should be we safe. Were, yeah, I think it. Yeah, and the dark and, web has made it safe. <laughs> Yeah, as anyways. weird as that sounds, it has made it more safe. Right, for sure. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, back to my story. Uh, so we were coming back from Seattle, quarter pound of weed in the car, twenty something ecstasy pills. So on the way back, Sketchy we're both ones. just like, we're just like, yo, all right, let's fucking let's test these and like, fuck it, we have like a seven hour drive ahead of us, like let's just test these. Uh, so we're like, all right, like I've driven before on on it, like this is fine, I could do that for sure. So. And I was expecting them to not be great pills. Turns out it's some of the strongest MDMA I've ever had. Um, <laughs> so pop it within 30 minutes. I was like, fuck, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> so we're driving over. Uh, is it the uh, Snoqualmie Pass or whatever? Whatever that pass Sandia. is uh, from Seattle to like Yakima area. Uh, oh, I don't that know. route. Yeah. So we're going over Snoqualmie. <laughs> Dude, literally looking at the mountain going, like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. This is fucking insane. <laughs> like, just, like, having a great time. Just jamming the vibe music. Just fucking jamming. So, we're going up over the pass. I'm, it's starting to hit me hard as fuck as we're going over, like, the top. And I'm like, dude, this is not good at all. Chugging water. Just fucking not having a good time. Just trying to just get through this. And because especially going over the pass, there's not really anywhere to pull over that's like safe. So I was, I was like, going to say, when you over. should have just pulled over. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Should not have been, first of all, should not have ever been driving a car while on any drugs, let alone MDMA. Horrible idea. Dumb as fuck. Yeah. Don't ever do that. So, but you're going to, I couldn't gonna, even, I couldn't even imagine, dude. I dude, could well, not. After Ryan's done, I'll bring up a funny ass story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not a funny story. So let me just get through this. This is terrifying to yeah. even think about. So I don't want to think about it for too long. So, uh, so we're going over the pass. Um, I was going to switch lanes, and then I looked at my blind spot. There was a person there, so I didn't. And then so you know, trying to get around the semi, and so when I'm about to go around the semi. Uh, as I'm able to finally switch lanes, I switch lanes. All of a sudden, realized there's a cop behind me. Had not seen that in I don't know how long. Uh, so don't know how long he's been back there. Immediately was like, God damn it! So all of a sudden, boom, lights go on. Fucking cops pull me over, and I'm as just you're like rolling. As I'm rolling, like peaking right now, pretty much, and I'm just like, Yo, my my fucking heart stopped, my gut fucking dropped, everything. I was like. 
I'm going to jail for sure. Like, no doubt about pound? it. I'm going quarter pound. Uh, and this is when li- literally uh, we just got legalized in Washington. I think this was in 2015. But you still weren't or- 21 even. No, you no, were like but 18, I- so it no. doesn't even so, matter. It doesn't matter. I did have my California medical card, though, at the time, which allows you to carry weed legally in other states. Uh, you just can't buy it in other states, but you can legally carry it in other states. So A quarter pound? Uh, no, definitely not a quarter pound, but you can at least have some weed. So, anyways. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, so, I'm fucking, I, get, I pull over. My heart's beating. I'm like, dude, there's fucking nothing I can do about this. We're going to jail. And I'm just like uh, profusely apologizing to the person in the passenger seat. Just like, dude... I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're going to jail. There's nothing I can do about it. So a cop comes up and I have sunglasses on and I intentionally leave my sunglasses on because the thing with MDMA, your pupils get very, very big. And it's very noticeably big. Like they're fucking huge. And it's 1030 at night at this point. So. No, this is midday. This is like <laughs> know, fucking, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. this I'm is like maybe like two <laughs> o'clock at like the latest, probably two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and so... Uh, I leave my sunglasses on because I know my pupils are going to be big. It's a nice sunny day. So the cop comes up and talks to me. And immediately one of the first things he says is, I smell weed in the car. Have you guys been smoking weed? And I was like, no, I have not been smoking weed, but I have marijuana in the car. I have my medical card. Do you want to see it? And he was like, no, I just want to make sure you're not smoking. Uh, can you take your sunglasses off really quick? And I'm like, sure. So I take them off knowing my pupils are going to get pinpoint because it's so sun- so sunny and they haven't been exposed to like light. So he looks at my eyes for like the longest time I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, fuck, dude. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, dude. Oh, fuck, dude. And just like try not to shit myself. And he's like, all right, <laughs> you can put your sunglasses back on. And I'm like, all right, cool. So he's just like, yeah, like, honestly, you were swerving a little bit. Uh, just want to make sure you're not smoking while you're driving. And I was just like, no, no, sir. I would never do anything like that. Like, just sirring the <laughs> fuck out of this guy, dude. Just like <laughs> fucking just dude. He could have been a knight at the end of this, dude, because I had fucking served him so many times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, dude, so I'm uh, shitting myself, literally shitting myself. Not actually literally, but fucking damn near close. Probably turtle heading. So. The dude is just like, he's like, I just want to make sure you're not smoking or anything. And I'm just like, no, I would never do that ever. I'm responsible. I'm super responsible. I'd never do that. (laughs) So, which is true. I I wasn't smoking in the car. I wasn't smoking in the car. So, you know, I'm being truthful. Uh, Put me on a lie detector (laughs) test. So uh, he's like, all right, like, I can see you're not, like, you haven't been smoking marijuana. So I'm just going to give you a speeding ticket and I'm going to let you go. And I was just like, okay, that makes sense. Like he said, I was speeding, and I don't, I don't know if I was speeding or not. I'm fucking high on. You don't want to argue with him, no. rolling balls. Uh, and so, literally, as he's walking back to his car, I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, I just gotta get out of here, dude. And so, like, he fucking goes, writes up a ticket, comes back. I'm fucking having a heart attack. Uh, and then he's just like, all right, so like, here's your speeding ticket. Like, where are you going, by the way? And I was like, oh, you know, back to Oregon, Bend, and stuff. He's like, all right, well. Good thing I pulled you over because you were about to miss your exit, which is coming up like for, right up there. And I was like, oh, my God, like, thank you so much. Like, appreciate the, like, the <laughs> advice. And he's just like, all right, like, you know, have a good day. Drive safe and shit, whatever. Like, uh, gave me a $260 speeding ticket. 
I drove away. Fuck it, dude. Being came through solid. The happiest two hundred and sixty dollars you've ever spent. The happiest <laughs> yeah. and the most depressed I have ever been in my entire life at the same time because I was just like, dude. At the same time, I'm like coming down at this point. I'm like almost like not really peaking, or, or I'm like I'm still kind of like peaking. But after that experience, you're just like, how can I have any euphoria when I'm fucking yeah. just terrified that I'm going to be going to prison? And uh, so fucking. We let get let go. We're driving. The entire car ride back is just silence of just not saying anything. Just like me just being in the worst sad mood ever, but also so thankful. But just like, dude, I got to stop doing drugs. Like, I got to get my life together, dude. Like, this is fucked. I can never let this happen again. This is the worst thing ever. So, so lucky I got off on that situation. Thank God. Thanks, somebody. Spoiler alert. You did not stop doing drugs. <laughs> Actually, no, I have no, not since done together. MDMA. Not <laughs> since done MDMA. Probably, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Uh, what? But Whatever. I only, yeah, I'll probably do it again. But <laughs> 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 I'm trying to teach these kids a lesson. <laughs> so There's no kids listening to this. <laughs> shout out the kids, dude. <laughs> yeah, shout uh, out the kids. Don't so fucking anyways, drive on MDMA. That's dude, the dumbest don't, shit yeah, ever. Don't drive on MDMA. But, dumb as yeah, fuck. That's almost, that's almost when you just stop and you're like, all right. We're car camping here for the rest of the night. Yeah. Dude, it's two in the afternoon, but we're not driving any longer. Yeah. No, dude. That cop would have pulled back around and been like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. I knew that. And I was like, dude, I just got to get fucking. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we drove. Well, the fucked up thing is that whole area is filled with just cops waiting to pull people over because they're fucking bored. So I was like, my best bet is to just keep driving and get home. And I did that. I just, we just kept driving fucking. Almost ran out of gas uh, and got home and I fucking was terrified. I didn't do drugs for like fucking four or five years after five that, dude. Days? I was terrified. Oh. No, I didn't. Dude, I, that was when I was 18 and I didn't do acid until I was 23. So, and that was well, when I like started Micah, like doing fun drugs. It sounds like Micah has a, a, a tale he wants to tell. Yeah, my bad. I didn't mean about. to stretch that out for super long, but don't do drugs while you're driving kids. Uh, Micah, fucking what do you got to say? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we could talk about the driving thing. I mean, because my first ever MDMA experience was actually on those orange Teslas uh, that we mentioned earlier. And Ali and I, um, AX and I, uh, split one um, at around 6 a.m. on my way to the airport to go, oh. uh, to, go to New York City to meet my dad for the first time. Oh, my God. Years old. <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> well, so the thing was, is we knew how long it would last. And this is a drive from Bend to Portland Airport. So it was a three-hour drive. And then my flight was like three to four hours after that. So I was like, okay, well, this will work perfect. Let's try it now. So I give it to her. And, and like, it was just weird. Because it was like, the thing was, is it was gifted to me uh, by like a really good friend of mine, family friend I've known for a long time, uh, the night before. So, of course… Me, being 16, I was incredibly excited to try what I knew was pure MDMA. Uh, I got to see it tested in front of me, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Because I had been around people who have tried the bath salt thing, and you know, that whole that whole deal. So anyway, right. I in the morning, my, my girlfriend at the time, she uh, picked me up to take me to the airport. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, here, take this. And so she did, of course, because she pretty much did anything I told her to, which is incredibly sad, but was her personality uh then i took the other half and uh i'd say within i mean 
what is it? How long does it take to get from Bend to Redmond? Uh, half hour. Uh, to the airport, especially 15 minutes. Right. So within like 15 minutes, we started to, yeah, definitely like feel it. And then I puked in <laughs> my chip bag, which was my like road snack. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, we'll just, we'll so just like, gross. we'll just throw this away. We'll just chill. And suddenly like the, the best feeling overcame both of us. <laughs> and it was a shared experience, weirdly enough. Like we're sitting in the car together and we're having practically the same experience. Like, we were both pointing out some of the things that we were seeing driving. It's kind of like what you were talking about driving down that pass in Washington. Just incredibly beautiful. Like the, yeah. the clear, like it, it looked like I was looking through high definition contacts. And I don't yeah. have bad vision like Raven does. Same. Like I have normal vision. Same. And I have actually really good vision. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. I eat more carrots <laughs> than you. I don't, yeah. It, yeah. So. Anyway, funny, funny thing. Like the, the funny part about this story was that we finally got all the way to probably I think it was like right past Timberline. So we're flying down, which is like a, a resort up on Mount Hood. Uh, so we're flying down this like deep, that's like three hours, right? No, no. Wait, I thought an hour and a half. Really? Oh well, I yeah, haven't driven two that hours way in so like, long. So yeah, definitely like an hour and a half. Yeah, so Wait, like we're halfway fly from through where? the exp- no the drive from Bend to Portland. Oh, I thought you said drip from Ben to Redmond. No. Okay, so I yeah, was… Yeah, you passed through Timberland. <laughs> I was driving from Ben… Like, Allie was driving from okay. Ben to Portland Airport to drop me off. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to the Redmond so, Airport. Sorry. No, no, no. I, the reason I mentioned Redmond was, like, as soon as we felt it, it was when it once we got to Redmond. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I was curious, like, how long is that drive? And so yeah. I was reminded it's, like, 15, 20 minutes. So then okay. within 15 to 20 minutes, we felt it. By the time we got around Mount Hood… Uh, Timberline area. The funny thing was, is she realized she needed gas. Now we're in a state of mind like you were talking about big yeah. pupils. Now we didn't have sunglasses, and get this, it's like seven thirty eight in the morning. Oh, geez. We left at like six. So uh, anyway, we end up seeing like a huge motorcycle like gang right at the <laughs> like swarming the tiny little rural uh, gas station <laughs> up there in like government camp. Oh and my god! So she. She's going like 80 miles an hour, dude. We Jesus haven't seen a car. Christ. She's just flying, dude, in Holy this Mercedes, shit. right? And you don't pump your own gas in Oregon. So you can't no. just get out and pump your own gas. So yeah, right. Exactly. She comes zooming down this hill. And then we see these people. So she goes and she, she screeches a little bit to get oh, into the gas station. Fuck. So she made a scene before we even got there. Oh, and then when no. we get there, it's one of the most awkward, you know, situations of like just getting the gas but while being the highest we've ever been and the most like in love and happy and just like all these crazy awesome like it was it was an incredible experience. I'll always tell people that my MDMA experience, the best one will always ever be the first time. And a lot of people yeah. will say, "Oh, what the fuck, dude? The first time I took it, I was at a party and I was drinking with my friends. Like it wasn't that great." And I'm like, "No, honestly, the first time for me, it's just like always set and setting dependent." Right? Mine was the second time, and this was yeah, this was a great setting, even though she was driving and it was incredibly stupid of the both of us. Obviously, me because I told her, "Let's do this." But the thing is, is like nothing bad happened. There was no sketchiness. The thing is, I mean, she was driving sketch. Well, yeah, I mean, MDMA. <laughs> yeah, I think she was. Yeah, exactly. That was like the one thing. But the thing is, we got to the airport um, and, uh, you know, it turned out that we were like fucking 20 minutes late and Alaska was like not letting me on. So it was kind of <laughs> cool because they were like, here, how about you just take a red eye? And I was like, OK, sweet. So that means I get to just go hang out in Portland now with my girlfriend. 
uh, coming down off this MDMA. Well, she hits up her brother because she dropped me off and she already drove away from the airport. (laughs) She hits up her brother who's living in Happy Valley, which is like a suburb outside of Portland, and says, hey, let's hang out. And so then now she turns around and has to pick me up and I have to go hang out with her like 30-year-old brother. Oh, no. While we're both coming down off of it. Oh. oh <laughs> and so geez. then around like 6, 7 p.m., she drives me back to the airport to go get on my red eye. And then I spend the entire night from Portland to Manhattan awake, just sitting there looking out the window, thinking about meeting my stupid fucking deadhead dad for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're leaving your like uh, girlfriend that you were in love yeah. with at the time and fucking and, and that so you're coming down off ecstasy on this plane and, and going to hopefully have a good time with your shithead fucking dad. Well, honestly, I was almost <laughs> happy that I got to take the red eye because I got to see how fucking boring the middle of the United States is. <laughs> you went from seeing lights when you left Portland and like the East Co- or the West Coast to nothing for like six hours and then suddenly lights again. Yeah, there's Damn, a lot of dude. empty space. There's nothing out there, dude. <laughs> Except a lot of cousins. Shout out Ohio, dude. Cousins. <laughs> a bunch of juggalos. Wow, what an experience. Well, so that's the thing is uh, I, I said earlier with you, you were talking about acid kind of brings everyone in the same mindset. Everyone's feeling together. But that's, and I disagreed with it at the time, but in a small setting with people you love, absolutely does it make you feel super in tune with the person you're with. Right. It makes you feel very comfortable and you feel like you're in the same like mindset and same vibes completely. And that's amazing. But in a group of people at like a, at like a show or a rave or anything like that, fuck that. It's the worst feeling in the world. Sure. No, I, 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 I mean, can imagine. Again, it just depends on who you are. Uh, I took MDMA at a, a fucking Devil Makes 3 show. Best that was great because I was the Hell only yeah. one probably on MDMA in the entire thing. And I just danced the <laughs> well, whole time. All three of us were. Yeah. That was yeah. what was so cool. Was It was literally just Ali, Raven, and I all rolling. And then we were like hanging out with all these. or not hanging out, but we're dancing next to all these like rednecks in their cowboy hats. Just freaking drinking out of their tiny little flask that they snuck in. And, you know, just causing mayhem. And it was cool to watch because it was. And then I think the coolest part about that night was how Raven starts texting his fucking little sister. He goes, I love you. I'm so sorry for anything I've ever said to you. <laughs> probably texted just the same night. Oh, uh, that's probably. Funny. Yeah. That, that's that's the part. Funny. That's the whole thing about being an introvert is that you take MDMA and you say a bunch of shit that you'll be embarrassed about forever. Oh, dude, yeah. I anyway, mean, uh, harm reduction, you shouldn't take MDMA and SSRIs because they won't do anything. And then fucking, you shouldn't take MDMA <laughs> Wow, you shouldn't be saying this. Uh, <laughs> fucking, you shouldn't take MDMA. I would say the biggest part with harm reduction is uh, the heat thing. If your body heat oh, is absolutely. getting up really high, um, do not just chug a bunch of water. Try to actually get into like a colder uh, environment. So specifically at shows, it's not a good idea to be bunched around a ton of people dancing really hard if you have taken a pretty big dose of MDMA or even a normal dose. Because the thing is, is MDMA does increase your body temperature. Um, and I know I said in the alcohol episode that drugs just don't really do that. But essentially, the thing is, it comes down to the blood flow thing. And because MDMA is a stimulant, it will… Uh, I mean, actually, it's it's completely… It, 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 it comes a lot down to hormones and the way that the uh 
like when MDMA attaches to certain receptors in the brain, it actually ends up causing the brain to think that it needs to produce sweat and cool the body down. And so the body is actually increasing in temperature. Not a lot of drugs do this. And alcohol specifically is not doing it that way. We talked about how alcohol does that. The other thing is, is just uh, MDMA can be metabolized into MDA, methylene dioxyamphetamine, uh, and it will be metabolized more so the higher dose that you take in one sitting. And the thing about MDA is that MDA actually is neurotoxic to your brain cells. And this is something that has been seen in vitro, meaning in a cell culture dish with neurons growing, adding MDA to it. It's also been seen in live animals. Like you can take tissue from a dead animal and see after it had been given MDA at multiple times in its life, you can see a reduction in specific areas of the brain. Now, with that, MDMA is not neurotoxic, but the ingestion of oral MDMA can create MDA. It's just how some of the, the breaking it down works. And one way to reduce this from happening is to not exceed more than 250 milligrams of MDMA in one night or one sitting. And I know that seems like a low dose to some people out there, but it really is a good thing to think about because people, I think with MDMA, one of the biggest things to mention is less is more. And yeah. taking less can actually be a really good experience. And also taking it less frequently, like Raven mentioned only, you know, he does it like, you know, a few times a, a year. And I'd the thing like is three is times a year, three to four, right? Yeah. Three and to four. the cool thing about that is that that's just his like personal opinion on how he likes to do it. But there's actually like, if you look into reading about it, you'll see a lot of people mention the three month rule and people come up with this as like, it, it's just an anecdotal thing where we've all kind of agreed upon doing it more than once in a span of a month or two months or three, whatever it, it can just be a, a lot harder on the brain and it can lose that magical, really, really special effect that it does have. Yeah. Like it can be one of the greatest experiences. It can be really helpful for you and your friends, for yourself, for you and your loved one, uh, whatever. But taken too often, it can actually lose that effect. <coughs> yeah, I, I, never um, be seen. I said I take it uh, three to four <laughs> times probably a year. But this last time I took it, it didn't have the effect that I desired. So what that showed to me is that I should probably take six to seven months off. And it's been easily that. Um, and I probably don't plan on taking it anytime soon because it's really important to get that therapeutic feeling back. To me, at least. Uh, I know a lot of people probably take it for partying, but I, I'm sure a lot of people who are going to listen to this take it the same way that... Uh, Micah and I do, which is very therapeutically at home, not partying and just with close friends and and just talk out your feelings kind of thing. And it's really important to do that, in my opinion. It's a very beautiful drug. Yeah, I know. I don't I even need, want to I talk to, about any downsides to it. No, I was going to say, I need to just do it again and get that bad experience out of my fucking hair. Because the first time I actually did like what I you know, think is, was real MDMA, uh, the first time was fucking the best experience ever, dude. It was great. It was amazing. Um, so I need to, right. I need to get back on the bandwagon and just fucking have a good experience. But also one thing I wanted to say in harm reduction is be careful and again, test your drugs because 
There's oh, been test a, your fucking drug. There's been a drug that's been going around. I don't know if Mike has heard about it at all. Um, it's called PMA, and it's uh stands for para paramethoxyamphetamine, which is a very lethal drug at lower doses than what MDMA would be. Uh, apparently, has similar effects to MDMA. Uh, but uh, but this is the thing. Buy all your drugs off the dark compared web. Compared to MDMA's, we'll be talking about like a general dose is a hundred <laughs> milligrams. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are cutting, you know, their MDMA with this, or they're putting it in instead of MDMA. Uh, so be fucking very careful and just test your drugs. Cause test your drugs. Um, a lot of drugs will be cut with amphetamines. So if you don't want that, then and drug testing kits are so cheap. I don't know if Micah mentioned this, but it's like sixty bucks. You could get like a whole uh, drug testing kit that will test your drugs for amphetamines and things like that. And yep. uh, uh, MDMA will always be dark purple or black with uh, the marquee reagent. Yeah, there's multiple reagents that can test for. Oh, the marquee, one. but they come with a yeah, color yeah. card. So, but I mean, and again, yeah, anything like uh, if you know anyone that's just having a tough time with MDMA use, like they've been using it too much or whatever, obviously reach out um, to us or to, uh, you know, a behavioral health center of some kind. You can find uh, us at drinking out of cups underscore podcast on Instagram. Always feel free to reach out. We will uh, give you resources to get help um i i will even look into your state if i can if i have um the ability to find you resources i will go out of my way to do it you know don't struggle or you're not alone in the struggle we all fucking if you're listening to this podcast it's very likely you've been fucking around with drugs you know (laughs) Or, or are interested in them or are interested and that's the thing is we're trying to promote safe drug use we're not trying to promote no drug use. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, I agree. Say that on the podcast. No, no, I agree with you. We, <laughs> I'm not trying about... to promote. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to promote abusing drugs. I'm trying exactly. to say if you're already going to be using drugs, do it safely and do it responsibly, and don't fucking be a statistic and don't keep letting these fucking asshole statistic people and these fucking cops try to tell us that we can't take drugs because they can be really beneficial for your life and your mental yep. health. So. That's With all, all that said, just freaking see us next week, y'all. See us next week. Find me on Instagram at uh, Raven, R-A-Y-V-Y-N, the number two, T-U-R-N-T, um, and that's also the same on YouTube. And then look up Juice. He gave us his story, so give him your follow. He yeah, has, thanks for having me. That was a good time. He, Glad he, I could uh, blabber in your ear. He is at Burt Beyond Bounds. It's B-U-R-T, Burt, Burt, Beyond Bounds at YouTube. So and, check him out uh, and Instagram. Always uh, your mom's booty call. Your mom's booty call on Instagram. <laughs> check him out. Yo, hell they're, yeah. They're, they be, they've been traveling. So dude, yeah, dude. They, their van is sick as fuck, man. Check it out, dude. Check out their, and it, their life in the van, dude. It's just interesting thank, as fuck. Thank you. Uh, and if you I have also, any cans to donate to them, <laughs> <laughs> I will return them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that dude. was not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I just want to give a shout out as well to um, fucking the band that did our intro, Groove Damage. They're having their first one of their first shows coming up 
Borderlines. Uh, I think it's called Borderlines. Uh, I don't know. You check it, check them out on Instagram, Groove Damage. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called uh, at Borderlines in the Valley. Uh, I think in Agora Hills, actually. Um, they're the on June 10th. They're having their first show. Check them out, dude. June they're 10th, the f- Groove Damage. Sick as fuck. They made our intro. They're awesome. They're fucking psych rock. They fucking rule. Yeah, like blue blues rock, psych rock kind of influence. They're the fucking dopest, dude. Uh, check them out. The homies. And check, check out, out our fucking playlist. Oh, yeah. Check Ryan out our playlist, too, dude. Well, fucking, I mean... this It's yeah. collaborative. It's collaborative. They're dope. They're dope. They're dope. Okay. So next... Wait, what? Micah, what are we talking about next? Or Ryan? No, fuck you, Micah. What are we talking about next week, Ryan? Dude, next week we're going to be talking about the craziest thing, dude. Let me give you a shout out. It's going to be shout out to Beat.